Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, non-binary pals, and the Technicolor rainbow in between, this is Modular Media Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Chris Boingo Radergaston, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner in this endeavor. The Vacuuminator, and everyone, I don't know if you've ever heard of a little, a little documentary called Hot Girls Wanted, but I watched that for the first time this week, and given that it's a, uh, it's a documentary about amateur people from rural areas going into the porn industry and we have a we have a certain titling method here and a certain thing happened this week that we're going to be talking about later i can't help but feel that's extremely serendipitous i have no earthly clue what we're talking about but we'll we'll get to that when we get to it uh in the meantime wrestling this week that was pretty good uh we didn't watch the big things, but uh, we watched our big things. I mean, what, what's the Super Bowl of wrestling? Nah, that's lame. Not like we started our flagship show talking about that or anything. Yeah, it's so it's so weird to see how quickly you can get burned out on a on a group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. So that's our warning that we didn't watch TakeOver. We're not going to talk and, about TakeOver. And uh, we're also not going to talk about the breakup of the procrastinators. That's slowly happening before our eyes in glorious fashion. Oof. But uh, we're probably going to talk about the results of WrestleMania at least. Are we now? I just look at a webpage and go like, oh, they won? Okay, that's interesting. All right, moving on. I, dude, I can't even remember if Asuka is still the Raw Women's Champion. That's how out of touch I am at this I just point. want to know what's going to fucking happen with Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan in the fucking mix. Oh, yeah, that. That's been memed all hell and back. It's fucking great. All Bryan Wrestling, my favorite promotion. <laughs> uh, dude, it's so weird that this com- that, that company... Looked at Brian and went like, "Oh, you're you're a good mid carder. You'll you'll fit right there, and you'll be you'll you'll be set for life the whole nine yards." And he goes like, "No, I'm good enough to be in the main event. All the fans want me to be in the main event, and they go like, ah, fine, you twisted arm, be in the main event.' And now he's their go to player. Shit, something's going mm-hmm. wrong. Put Daniel Bryan in. You could not live with your own failure, and so you came crawling back to Daniel Bryan." Daniel Bryan in You Done Fucked Up. <laughs> uh, now Daniel Bryan's good egg. Daniel Bryan's good folk. He's, he's a good man. I I genuinely love Daniel Bryan. He is one of the few wrestlers out there who I think would be able to lift Force Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Was Edge in a Viking show? Edge was in a Viking show. Yeah, Edge was in the History Channel show Vikings. Um, there's nothing else we can talk about that other than just like, yeah, Edge was in a Viking show. He was also in Money Plane. That movie is hilarious. Not because it's a comedy. Oh. Oh. Shame. Uh, but... We ain't got much more to talk about there, so why don't we get into the first bit of stuff, which is just a bunch of toy news. 
So new fact, toys, everybody! Hey, look at our new toys! Hey! I I was really counting on you to pull out one of your cards there. We'll get to that. We will get to that. Oh, <laughs> uh, the catchphrase of this show. We'll get. We to will that. get to that. Uh, but we did have several reveals this week. A lot of which happened just today. Um, but first and foremost. Boss Fight Studios, who you may know from the excellent Lucha Brothers figures that just came out and everybody in the toy world has been raving about for the last couple of weeks, um, they unveiled that their next project after the uh, the current wave of uh, Luchador figures they're working on is going to be a Jushin Thunder Liger in his classic, literally just ripping off the anime gear. I mean, he was sponsored by the anime and the manga. Uh-huh. Like it yeah. is legitimately. It wasn't like it, it. It was like a new version of uh, Tiger Mask. Yeah. Um, and it looks straight out from the anime because I've actually watched some of the original anime. Uh, and it, it's just oh, that's the anime design. Okay. It's it's really surreal to see this gear finally in plastic form. Um. I'm not a super big, like, Jushin Thunder Liger guy. I know he's one of those wrestlers where I know of him, but I've not experienced much of him. I've seen, like, three Jushin Thunder Liger matches. Uh, I've seen the one that counts, where he shoves a thumb up Champa's ass. <laughs> I've seen that one. I've seen the NXT match he had. And what was the... Uh, I watched one of his ones against Mamoru Suzuki. Uh, I think oh. we all, I also watched some uh, his first retirement match well like final mm. retirement like full-on wrestle kingdom final retirement the first one because he had two yeah but jushin thunder liger is also good people and this is like one of the oldest gears in his arsenal so to see it finally as a figure and from a company that just had a f set of figures that according to everyone knocked it right out of the park very very exciting to see how this turns out very much so. It, it's always good to have multiple avenues for getting that kind of merch out for wrestlers instead mm -hmm. of just having to go WWE, AEW. Because despite all we say about how much we praise uh, AEW for everything they do, it is always good for wrestlers to have as many options as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of the wrestlers in AEW do have the ability to merchandise with other companies. Oh, yeah. They just don't. The most they do is freaking uh, having a having a separate pro wrestling tease. Yeah, it, but there's also like some wrestlers do really take advantage of that. In fact, two you just mentioned were Penta Romero and uh, Ray Phoenix. Yeah, they've got a license with Boss Fight. They were those first two figures mm -hmm. that just came out and everybody loves, but I probably won't get because they're about ten dollars more and I'm willing to pay for them. Yeah, but they do have a good number of accessories, so that's. Yeah, it's. I, I understand why they cost as much as they do. I just don't want to pay that much for a six-inch figure. Are they all, Are they in scale with other wrestling figures? Because I don't think they are. Relatively, I think they're like half a head or maybe a whole head shorter. Mm. Yeah. See, no, I'd rather because like here's the thing: AW figs and WWE figs, they're still in the same scale. Mm -hmm. Because they realize, oh no, people are gonna want to bash these two things together, even if they're two different lines. It makes so much sense to just keep them in scale. As Jeremy Padauer calls it, it's the fight figure scale. I mean, even the UFC guys are in that same scale. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my God. How many people have put Conor McGregor in like a special guest referee position for their WrestleMania lineups? Oh, man. There, well, there's going to be, there's going to be childhood stories of that in 15 years. I guarantee you. Oh, very much so. Especially if you had like, uh, a full British Isle match going on in your, uh, in your, in your ring. Yeah. Insurrection 2021. But, uh, oh. no, like if I had the money, this, I, this would be a must buy for me. Cause Jushin just is a cool dude. It's cool gear. Also, this is probably the closest thing the anime will get to merchandise in today. Yeah. I still want to get, like, one of his Super 7 figures. Like, those are more... Because they have the big horn mask, yeah. those are the more iconic looks to me. But it is just so awesome that this look is happening. But I'm also a weirdo who's watched the original anime and kind of likes it. So, like, I'm... This is hitting all of those buttons for me. <laughs> In a weird way, you're kind of a more knowledgeable Jushin Thunder Liger fan than some people who have seen most of his matches. That's fucking weird. <laughs> the anime's good. It's basically what if Mecha but muscles. Like the it's a it's like an old school kind of Mecha show. It's super yeah because it's 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 bio armor, isn't it? It's basically yeah. like Giver before Giver. But it's like it's not gross. It's just more like. Oh, it's a giant weird muscle suit that kind of connects to you and you control it, kid. Also, awesome. his grandpa is, like, horny for the teenage girls that are in the show. Because, of course, oh, so they've got the they, they got the old man from Dragon Ball in on that shit? That's cool. Hey, Glad hey. he's still getting work. Master Roshi is a fucking saint and turtle man. I, um, but then today, uh, we had... The only bit of WrestleMania week that I cared about, um, which was the WWE Elite Squad uh, Mattel Reveals live stream, which is basically Bill McKenna, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, and I think one or two other fuckers just sitting there going like, here are some figures Mattel is making. Aren't they lovely? Wouldn't you like to buy them? This is great. We're totally not ripping off this idea from Hasbro. Yeah. It would have been better if Matt Cardona was doing it because, you know. Yeah, but they fired him right before they started doing these. Yeah. You know what it probably was? He probably pitched the idea to them and they were like, yeah, that's a good idea, Matt. Oh, by the way, you're fired. What? Gargano, you want to come do this? Uh, for what it's worth, Johnny is actually a really big toy collector. He just he doesn't isn't. incorporate it into his character. Uh,. I'm not saying he but, isn't, I'm just saying it's, it, that's the kind of image I see in my head. Yeah. But, going down the line of things here, revealed at this panel were two and a half waves of Elite Collection. So we'll start off with Elite Collection 86, which had actual in-hand photos of these figures. Well, nice photoshopped in-hand photos. Um, we have Referee Sid Justice, uh, a... I don't know if it's, like, exactly his current look, but it looks like a really recent Miz look. I recognize the robe he's wearing. Um, a pre-DX Triple H look. Universal Champion The Fiend. Eye for an eye match Seth Rollins. Uh, debut SummerSlam Carmella. And Colonel Mustafa. Boingo, had you heard of Colonel Mustafa before today? Was that his gimmick... During Retribution? No. 
No, that's not who that... This is an 80s wrestler, sir. This is like a... This is like a Cuban socialist parody character. It, I mean, I yeah, no. I was kind of... I had the feeling that it'd be like Che Guevara, but like... That's exactly what it is. Oh, God. In the 80s? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And also, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure this is that gentleman's first ever action figure. Uh, good good for uh, good for him. It's I bet classic 80s wrestling fans are happy with it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the Major Bros popped real hard for it. Um, um, I no. do not care care at all, it, it, except for like the weird historicalness of it. Yeah. Um, I don't give a shit about Sid Justice. I don't give a shit about Dip, uh, <laughs> Dipple H. I don't give a shit about him before DX. Uh, is it I wait? Hate... Is it Hunter Hearst Hemsley or is it Triple H pre DX? Triple H pre DX. Like this is when he started going around with China. Oh man, have they made a Hunter Hearst Hemsley? Fig. They have a. They made a two pack of him in China from that era. That's basically this Helmsley look, but in a green robe. Mm. Um, and I do actually want to get that because that's like of the two China figures they've made. That's the more iconic, classic looking China. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like the Miz. I still don't have a Miz figure, and this does look like kind of a good evergreen Miz, so I might grab this Miz if given the chance. Uh, Universal Champion The Fiend, I was pretty much zoned out for that whole run, so I don't care about that. And uh, I, I, was, I, was, I had stopped watching WWE by the time the eye for an eye match had happened, so I don't need the Seth Rollins. And... Uh, it's cool that Carmella is getting a figure of her debut look, but uh, I'm not the biggest Carmella fan, so I don't really need that. So this is mostly a pass wave for me. Oh yeah, especially because like they aren't gonna make. Uh... Well, what's their WWE names? I don't know. Who are you talking about? Uh, Big Cass and Big Cass was his WWE name. Yeah, but the other one. And Enzo Amore. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was part of that whole group at the first part. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, I, oh. She was that their hairdresser. Yeah. That guy I was talking to you about before we started recording from my work. Yeah. He, every time I have talked to him about wrestling for the past three weeks, he has said, man, AEW has to sign Big Cass and Enzo. They are they are such a hot act. They were so awesome when they first debuted in NXT. They ruined them on the main roster, but they were awesome in NXT. AEW would be stupid not to sign them. And then when that news came out this morning, he was so happy. <laughs> what news? There's a rumor that Luke Gallows went to Tony Khan and asked for him to consider signing Big Cass. Like, he vouched for Big Cass. Yeah, and I think Big Cass, with the emotional and mental problems he's had... In a positive environment like AEW will probably do him some good. Yeah. Uh, Enzo Amore, I, I don't know if he if he would be in AEW because of his uh, the thing with Joey Janela. I think Joey Janela would be fine with it. I th I don't know about Enzo, a real one as he's on the Indies. 
Uh, but getting back to the news, um, <clears throat> so we have a more real version of Enzo More. His name's Eddie Kingston. Ooh, uh, Elite Collection '87. We got to see renders for that uh, digital sculpt renders with color. Um, so in this wave is Santos Escobar in his NXT debut look, Poison Pixie Candle Saray, Kabuki Warrior Asuka. Uh, I believe this is pre her business, like just before Apollo Cruz and Warlord. Had you heard of Warlord before today? He sounds like a knockoff of Wardlow. He's not. He's an 80s wrestler. That's all I know about him. Fucking boomers. <laughs> fucking boomers and fucking current people. Because, like, I've heard Santos Escobar is good, but I haven't watched anything with him, so I don't care. Poison Pixie, Candice LeRae, the little bit I've seen of that gimmick, it really upset me just because I'm like, no, Candace is a nice lady. Stop telling me she's mean. That's how I feel oh, about that Oh, is that, that her gimmick. heel gimmick? Yeah. Wait, Are they still heels? Yeah, they're still heels. They have a heel faction called The Way with Austin Fury and some other woman whose name I don't remember. All right, whatever. Um... I mean, this Asuka look is kind of cool, but it's from that garbage heel run, so I don't know if I want it, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and Apollo's a nice guy, but I'm not a... F I, he's never done anything notable to me, so I don't need a figure of him. And like like we said, Warlord fucking boomers. Yeah. So again, this is a big pass way for me. Um, like, so far, maybe I'll pick up Miz, maybe I'll pick up Asuka. Depends on if I see him at the pegs and how much money and how good I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. Um, and then we got a partial reveal for Elite Collection 88, uh, where they only had two of the figures ready to show in digital render form. And that is Tribal Chief Roman Reigns. Um, so this is post-heel turn, full-on heel Roman Reigns. Because they did kind of a figure of his heel turn recently. Or actually, I think that's about to come out. Um, and then, start of the Hurt Business MVP. Like, when the pandemic was starting up and he was just starting to really pick up on Raw. That's, that's the look this is. And, like, I personally don't care for either of these figures. I don't feel like I need them. But I think it's really cool that they're happening because obviously Tribal Chief Roman Reigns has been a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And I found out in the last couple of weeks, apparently a lot of people love the Hurt Business. And a lot of people have a lot of appreciation for MVP. So you know what? Good for MVP getting a new figure so late in his career. Yeah, a lot of people were upset that Hurt Business broke up, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was like a whole thing where people, people were like classic WWE, what the fuck are you doing reaction. Yeah. Um, but uh, now we start getting into some stuff that does interest me because the next Elite Collection two pack is going to be the Rock and Sock connection. Like that makes that makes sense. That makes good sense. It's so perfect, and it it that that mankind looks like the perfect evergreen mankind. If we never get an ultimate McFoley or mankind, I think this is as close as we're going to get. And I love Mick Foley, so I kind of feel like I need this. See, that's the um, thing with having, like, the ultimate Nick Fo Mick Foley. You have to have, like, four figures. 
Yeah, it would have to be a big multi-pack. Because you would need get... a perfect Mankind, a perfect McFoley, a perfect Dude Love, and a perfect Cactus Jack. Yeah. And it's like, which McFoley do you even do? Are you going to do... Are you going to do Commissioner Foley? Are you going to do just Happy Man on Twitter McFoley? What are you going to do? And if you're going to have the ultimate, ultimate McFoley, you got to have a Santa. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the ringside exclusive that they should do next, Santa McFoley. Honestly, um, that could sell well. Yeah. Do a, do a holiday two-pack, Santa McFoley and the Gobbledygooker. Uh, that would that would be wonderful. Have they made a gobbledygooker yet? They, <clears throat> excuse me, I was about to take a drink when you asked that. Uh, they teased one back when the Legends line was originally starting, like in the late two thousands, and then it got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that the Legends line is back as a Target exclusive subline, a lot of people have been sharing around figure uh, photos of that prototype from when it was at SDCC and being like. Hey, could we maybe, uh, you know, could we, uh, could we, could we, uh, maybe make something happen here, please? I mean, it's gonna be such a weird thing that so many people would just want it in their collection. Mm-hmm. That Max Moon, have they met? I, I would die. They have for not me. made Max Moon. They definitely haven't made Max Moon. Or I would, Protocol. I would get a fucking Max Moon because that's just fucking hilarious. I would get, I would get a Max Moon. I would get, I get all the stupid weird shits. Like, give me, you know what? I'll say it. I would get a figure of fucking seven. They're never gonna make that. Yeah, they're never, especially that now he's not in the company anymore. But like, I'd I'd buy it. Like, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who really wants an Itchweed figure. That'd be. Here's the thing: the second Jeff Hardy gets out of at WWE and he goes wherever. You know damn well he's going up the boss fight or Super Seven or whoever, and just go like, "Hey, I got a couple characters. Uh, let's make figures. Let's just do it." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this two pack looks wonderful. I'm very excited for this. This is probably like my favorite reveal of the day. Um, do they? But does they're it, still does Mick has they have they ever done a Mister Sacco accessory for Mick Foley toys? Like a full on arm replacement, uh, Mister Sacco. I would think they would have had to, but I can't think of one. Like I'm not that well versed in yeah, wrestling yeah. figures now. I know. Um, I'm just. I would be shocked if it didn't happen back in the day at least. Yeah. Um, but uh, the next thing is we got a partial reveal of the 2021 Survivor Series wave, which is a very classic looking Bret Hart and a very classic looking Hulk Hogan. They look nice. I'm. Not a super huge fan of either of these dudes, so I don't know if I need these, especially considering another reveal we're going to be talking about in a second. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, speaking of the McFoley Extended Universe, uh, we got a look at the next, uh, I almost said AEW, WWE Ringside Exclusive, which is going to be a Elite Collection ECW Cactus Jack. Hell yeah. And McFoley. McFoley himself posted about this on Twitter, being all excited and stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of great." Like this, that, seeing that figure made me want to go watch Cactus Jack matches for the first time in a long time because Cactus Jack is one of those character runs 
that I've always known about and I've always been like, yeah, I should really watch some of that. And I've just never done it. So like yeah. maybe I will just so I can have an excuse to buy this figure. Yeah. It, it's good that it's like it's not like, oh, it's the WWE version of Cactus Jack. No, it's it's Urtex Cactus Jack. Yeah. You know? It's it's so exciting. Uh, but then we got a look at the next couple waves of Ultimate Edition. And the first one is one that we have actually been talking about on and off on the show for quite a while. Because there were those fan polls going on for the fan takeover wave. And it appears the look they went with for Hulk Hogan is the look I wanted. So this will probably be the one Hulk Hogan figure I ever buy to be my classic evergreen Hulk Hogan. Um, and then you're never giving him money again. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, they went with a Jeff Hardy look. Like I said, back when that poll went up, I can't tell any Jeff Hardy looks apart. So that is a Jeff Hardy look. There's only two Jeff Hardy looks. It's either classic mid-2000s emo punk. Which this is. Or classic 2000s emo punk who grew up to be a dad. Yeah. That's his two looks. That's it. There was also that one year where he was a vampire. <laughs> but I'm just saying. And they like, did make a figure of that. There's brood. Har There's a brood Hardy boys two pack. But like contemporary Jeff Hardy. That's Jeff Hardy. He is that emo punk dude. Grew up. Got responsibilities. And became a dad. Mm -hmm. He's still a punk. He's still, he's still got that edge. But he's a dad now. Yeah. And, I mean, there's also Brother Nero and Itchweed and the other character who I can't remember their name. Willow. Willow. There's Willow. But uh, those are all those are all uh, characters in the extended Jeff Hardy universe. They're not they're not Jeff Hardy. They're also part of the broken verse. Yeah. The, OK. Amendment. They're characters in the extended Hardy universe. Right. Because, like. You could do an entire toy line on just their characters. <laughs> and I hope that happens one day. I hope when they actually retire, they don't sign, like, um, Legends contracts with WWE. They just start licensing out to all the different toy companies. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Uh, I can... You know what I can definitely see happening? What? Like, an animated web series... Based off the broken universe. I would watch the shit out of that. You know? And you know who my first choice would be to do it? The Has-Been Hotel people. Sure. I haven't really watched a ton of that. But like, yeah, I can get that. I can. I, I understand the vibe. I mean, there hasn't been a second episode of Has-Been Hotel yet. Because it actually did get picked up. Yay. Um, I know the spinoff. It's been off hell of a boss. I've watched every episode of that the day it's come out, and it's been really fun. Uh, no, you know, it'd be interesting to do like one of those like get the dude who does the Inna surreal animations and just go full <laughs> mind fuckery with it. I I don't want that, but I do want to see what that looks like if you, At least if you for catch an my meaning. Maybe that's what they could do, is just commission animation teams. No, make an it's episode. not an animated series. It's an Animatrix-style movie. Yeah. That's what they... Oh, man. Matt Hardy? Like, give, me a, give, me a, give me a senior Benjamin short that's made like it's Breaking Bad. 
No, no, give me Senior Benjamin that's made like Sin City. Yeah. Oh, man. And like a Rebbe short that's just ripping off Elvira segments. <laughs> Matt, Matt, we know you got the big money now. We're, we're up for licensing. We're, we're down... We're down to clown. Give us the money. We'll we'll write it out. We'll do that for you. We'll find the animation studios. Just, just, just. We're, we're willing to sell out. We'll even voice all of the extras. Why does that baby sound like a grown man with a beard? Because it was a grown baby. Yeah, that's what it was. Shut up. Where? Where? Mama, Wah. give me your booby. If <laughs> you just said booby on this show, I can't believe you just repeated what I said, you boob. You Drake, no, you Josh looking motherfucker. Hey, Josh looking motherfucker, aren't I? Just <laughs> <laughs> fucking real. Ah. At least that implies there's hope because he did glow up big time over the course of that show. Yeah, but he started out as a teenager and then turned into a 20-year-old. Listen, buddy. Hey, hey. You know what my friends always said I looked like? It's either one of two things. It's Tim Allen in the middle of Santa Claus. Or Brendan Fraser for some reason. I could actually really see Brendan Fraser, yeah. Because I've been thinking about Brendan Fraser a lot now, anyways, because of the whole shit that came out about him. Yeah. Brendan Fraser, what a boy. Um, what, a, what a mad lad. What here's, an here's absolute. The, here's the Brendan Fraser. Hell yeah, I'll drink to Brendan Fraser. May he forever be the robot, the robot man in our hearts. Oh, yeah. Got a second one, too. Oh, dear God, you really! I didn't know them. how long... you're really Listen, pounding them down, buddy. I didn't know how long we were gonna be here tonight, so I wanted to make sure I had some. I wanted to make sure I had some superior hydration. I wonder if anybody's ever made wine out of Gatorade. Oh, uh, I'm sure there's YouTube videos about that. Yeah, but uh, uh, finishing off this this <laughs> bit of news. <laughs> Finish us off. Finish. I will. I Finish will gladly... them off. Finish them off. I'll gladly do it, Gallows. Um, <laughs> Ultimate Edition 10 was revealed to be WrestleMania 29 The Rock and a John Cena look that I did not recognize. <laughs> Could it have been John Cena in that match? No, because I actually just watched that match for the first time this week, and that is not what... He he looked like Evergreen John Cena, just with khakis instead of jorts. Mm. Yeah, so, that... I f this is like at transitioning from rapper John Cena to that John Cena. Could it be first era. US title run, then? Potentially. They didn't show a lot of his accessories yet, so... Because I don't think they made a first U.S. title run, John Cena. I don't think they have either. If that's what that is, that's pretty cool. And that might be really the only way we that. ever get that belt, too. Yeah. I mean, he's the only one who ever had that belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But yeah, I do, I am actually kind of interested in this rock because it's a it's a rock that's still a wrestle boy, but looks a lot more like what I think of the rock as now. Like when I think of the rock in my head, I don't think of Attitude Era rock. I think of movie star rock yeah. because I didn't grow up with Attitude Era rock. But, you grew up with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, and they had a they had a they have a figure out right now in the elite collection that is just straight up Dwayne Johnson. It's him in like a tank top from one time when he came out on raw to pop a rating. Um, but, uh, I, I look at that. I looked at that and I went, that's, that's too Dwayne Johnson. That's, that's not, uh, that's too Dwayne Johnson. Not enough. The rock, this is right in the middle. So I'm, I'm kind of tempted by this ultimate edition. Could it have been The Rock during that one WrestleMania with uh, Ronda Rousey? I think that's what it was, yeah. Because I, I remember looking at it and going, like, I recognize that look. Like, that is a look from within my time of watching wrestling, but I can't pinpoint when. You know what you could probably also use that Rock for? What? The Roman Reigns min- uh, moment. After the, yeah. uh, after the Royal no. Rumble. I just remembered, because it's not a standard Elite Collection wave. It's a Royal Rumble wave. It's a figure of that moment, dude. That's so... That's what that... They made a figure of that moment. I just realized that. Oh, my God. The moment where Dwayne Johnson was fucking pissed. Why are they booing me? I am The Rock. This does not happen. Vincent, what have you done? (laughs) Uh, now I kind of need to. I'm gonna have to go to Target this weekend and see st- see if they still have one on the pegs. Uh, that'd be fucking hilarious. Just just put that and have that be a part of the, uh, the display. That's the only ro- I, that's the only reason I get a Roman Reigns is to do that pose, take that picture. Oh man. Mm. Uh, but uh. But we did get another reveal for something completely different. I haven't been keeping... I have not seen a single episode of Dark Side of the Ring. But I'm glad... They, it have, is, a, they have a few of them up for free on YouTube. I would highly recommend checking it out. But I, I'm glad people are enjoying them. And I'm glad that they're still continuing making them. Just so people who aren't wrestling fans understand the underbelly of this business. And a big part of why it's so fascinating to us. The history and the weird backstage stories. Because this this thing, it had a lot of interesting bits. And I know uh, it had some interesting interviews, interviewees. Because mm-hmm. uh, Chris Jericho's in it. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else. Jake well, in this, in this season, they're promoting Jericho, Jake the Snake, like you said. John Moxley mm-hmm. is going to mm-hmm. be on it. Uh, the wife, the last wife of the Ultimate Warrior, um, and then Jim Cornette, who has been in every season. Yeah, Jim. Uh, here's what I'll say about Jim Cornette: I do not like his contemporary wrestling opinions, but as a wealth of history for of of the wrestling history, he is second to none. I will respect his understanding of the history of wrestling. Definitely. I mean, one of the. One of the more interestingly bizarre things that's ever happened to me while watching wrestling-related content is the first episode of Dark Side of the Ring he shows up in, the first clip they show of him is he's showing you around his attic of wrestling memorabilia, and he shows the titles from the per- his personal promotion that he ran like back in the 80s, and he explains 
I forget exactly what he said, but it was something about like, these are called titles because they represent the title of champion. These are not championships. They are physical representation of being the champion. That's why we call them titles. They're not belts. They're not championships. They're titles. And I was like, I don't know if I would yell that in somebody's face for saying championship or whatever on a show, but like, I kind of agree with that. It makes sense, but it also makes total sense to have a low uh, of a common parlance of just saying, Oh, it's a belt. Mm -hmm. it, it makes conversations easier. Yeah. So you're not wrong, but you're, you're, you're missing the point. Exactly. That, that's, a, that's Jim Cornette in a nutshell. You're not wrong, but you're missing the point. Language evolves, Watson. Very much so. Uh, because, like, e even CM Punk was on about that kind of stuff. It's not a belt. It Belt holds up your pants. This doesn't hold up your pants. Mm -hmm. um, um, but this season free trailer looks really, really exciting from the perspective of somebody who's seen every episode. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be watching this week to week because that will require staying up to date on torrents and whatnot because I do not have cable and you need cable to watch this week to week because it's on a premium cable network. Um, hey, Bo? But it's a... Uh, oh, God, what's their name? Vice? Yes, Vice has a TV network okay. now. Um, and that's how this show got made is they literally just went to the uh, the people who worked on the YouTube channel and said... If you have an idea for a, sh a, a TV show that you've been saving in your back pocket and works in on the style that we do for the YouTube channel, now's the time to pitch it. Yeah. Um. But uh, the episodes they are advertising for this year is Brian Pillman, Ooh. Nick Gage, okay. Collision in Korea, The Ultimate Warrior, Grizzly Smith, and Dynamite Kid. Okay. Collision in Korea is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, because, oh, the one person I forgot to mention from that trailer, Bischoff. They Bischoff. got Bischoff. Oh, yeah. No, that's going to be interesting and, because, like, that's a fascinating wormhole. Of... That is a down-the-rabbit-hole episode. Yeah. It's that level of, like, what the fuckery. I mean... They kind of they kind of pull it down the rabbit hole episode in each episode of this show. It's the fascinating thing. Um, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, it seems like a topic he would also to uh, uh, um, cover. Yeah. Um, like, oh man, I I don't want to get into specifics because I don't, I want to spoil you on some of this stuff, even though it is basically common knowledge. Um, but like some of the some of like the obscure. 70s and 80s guys that they're able to pull whole episodes out of and make so fascinating is just amazing um uh like their bruiser brody episode is amazing i wonder if they're gonna get brian pillman jr to be on the episode of brian pillman i would be shocked if they didn't honestly just because like he is a contemporary wrestler that is growing in popularity and everybody seems to enjoy Watching him. I wa enjoy watching Brian Hillman Jr. Yeah, he's a good lad. But, and, um, and, I, and I don't want to speak on the locker room he's in, but I, I'd assume the AEW locker room enjoys having him around. Mm 
he seems to be genuinely liked or at least liked by his peers he's very heavily featured in sammy's vlog as of late yeah well speaking of vlogs tell me what happened on bte excellent transition there that's 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 a buster core quality transition right there but uh here's the thing i actually like open in another tab the bte to actually watch it but i just never did so close and yet so far but in the end, it doesn't even matter. I can play that on acoustic guitar. Ain't that hard? It's weird though. There's gonna be, there's gonna be a day in not too long from now, like another five or ten years, when there's gonna be parents embarrassing their kids by doing that. Dude, there's parents already. Dude, that song came out in 1999. Really. I thought it was mid two thousands. No, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park was part of New Metal. I wasn't exactly sure when New Metal started. Late nineties. Yeah. See, Raging you got to remember, I'm not. I'm not a huge music guy, so I don't know very specific stuff like that. I know. I know literally what I've picked up through osmosis of Digibro, You, Few, and Todd in the Shadows. <laughs> That's a fucking. That's a fucking menagerie right there. Isn't it, though? Um, I, I don't he, remember... Uh, did, they're going by a new internet handle, but I don't remember Digi's taste. I know Beatrice she talks... Golden Witch Fire. Yeah, I know she talked name. about uh, System of a Down every once in a while and Gorillas, but like... Which, by the way, people, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to her, even though I don't have much respect for her these days, by calling her Digibro. It's just that I refer to her as Digibro because I knew her mostly when she was Digibro. I have very little experience with Beatrice. It came out in 2000. Mm. Uh, On the album Hybrid Theory. Yeah, I know. I know what album it's on. Uh, which also included Paper Cut, One Step Closer, Crawling, Runaway, Be Myself, Place for My Head, Forgotten, Cure for the Itch, and Pushing Me Away. Did not know Crawling was the same album. That's cool. Yeah. Crawling in yeah. <sighs> But on BT this week, we had a uh, pre-intro promo by Matt Hardy, basically giving a State of the Hardy Family Office address to the members of the Hardy family office saying that they are gearing up for war and they are now going to make it their mission to destroy the Dark Order. Uh, very, very solid little, little promo. Um, then after the intro, we went to the Dark Order lair. This is going to require a bit of backtracking and explanation because remember I totally blanked on the Dark Order segment last week? Yeah, I think you did. I blacked it out is what happened because I think I didn't want to say on the podcast that Alan Angel's got his dick cut off. What had happened last week was that um, after when, because this was just after finding out that John Silver had the arm injury, mm-hmm. they were like, shit, John doesn't have his arm anymore. How's he going to wrestle? We got to get him a new arm. And Ten's like, 
I don't have a big push. We could just give him my arm. And they're like, okay, let's cut it off. And then John walks in. He's like, what the hell are you guys doing? My arm's fine. It just needs a few weeks to heal up. And they're like, oh, but we bought this chainsaw and everything. What are we going to cut off now? Five. No, 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 no. And then you hear a chainsaw sound effect and the camera pans down to the floor and they just drop a shrimp in the frame. Oh, God. Because they've joked that he has a shrimp dick a few times in the past. What do you... Stop, stop hurting my boy. They've been hurting your boy since day one. Five is one of the major Dark Order punching bags. I know. Stop hurting him. He's precious. <laughs> so uh, this week, they got an update that, that John was doing good and that, and that he's getting back on. They discussed a little bit about what's going on with the Hardy family office and how they're going to deal with them. And then uh, Alan comes in with a shot glass filled with ice and the shrimp. And he's like, guys, I just got back from the doctor. Great news. They told me as long as I keep my dick on ice, they can reattach it whenever I want. They're like, why didn't you get it attached just then? I got excited and wanted to tell you. (laughs) And then uh, Stu's like, hey, how long is tape in here? And the camera pans over and Tay's just sitting in Anna's same spot on top of that, like, weird alcove table, like, looking at her nails or something. And she just waves, doesn't say anything. And they're like, dude, Tay's been there forever. How'd she not notice? Uh, I don't know. She just now suddenly made herself, I don't know, I didn't see her now. Oh, and they're like, you got Anna on the brain, bro. And uh, that, that was the whole thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would love for Tay to just stay after Anna comes back and Anna mm-hmm. and Tay uh, Anna and Tay just become like older sisters of the Dark Order. No, we yeah. can make fun of them. If you make fun of them, we're coming after your throats. That's exactly what it is and I love it. Like I I love that there's the Dark Order and then there's the friends of the Dark Order. And that that's where Hangman and Tay are and I don't want them to become official members ever at this no. point. Here's the Here's the thing. Everybody has been talking about, oh, there's too many factions in uh, AEW. And I go, like, to an extent, sure. But you got to look at them as, like, there's factions and then there's macro factions. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, on a technical level, Darby, Sting, John Moxley, and Eddie Kingston are all kind of functioning within a macro faction of lone wolves but we have each other's back just in case mm-hmm. you know it's like the bat it's like it's kind of like the bat family we're f- we all come from the same kind of place and we all understand each other and we work together but also we all operate in different areas of the city yeah but like the dark order is a faction but there's a macro faction of basically the weirdos of AEW, which is Dark Order and Hangman and Tay Conte and groups like that, who kind of would team up with, like, I would also consider Varsity Blondes in that kind of, like, sphere of influence. Faces mm-hmm. that are a little goofy. Definitely. Like, um, maybe even Jurassic Express to an extent. Because if you said, like, oh, yeah, Jurassic Express is coming out to help save uh, 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 
John Silver, I wouldn't take a second look. It was like, no, they're both good boys. They're both good lads. They they'll he- they would help each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the best friends. An alien. I love you, alien. Alien. I just, I just need Orange Cassidy to say that just once. <sighs> Not even I love you, Chris. Just, I love you, alien. Oh, uh, man. We'll get to them in a bit, but, like, uh... Uh... And then, uh... I'm not proud of saying this, but this was my favorite BTE bit of the week. Because the, they cut, and Carl Anderson is just facing the camera, and he's looking so remorseful, and he's like, alright, just a heads up, everybody. The next, like, five minutes are gonna be good brothers joking about dicks, so if you don't like that, skip ahead. <laughs> At least they gave a warning. That's yeah, and then and then they go into the actual bit where like Kenny's coming out from Gorilla because this is set right after their match that night, and he's like, "Oh, Kenny, Kenny, that was a great match. We gotta let's go get Gallows and go get something to drink. This is we should celebrate." Hey, and Kenny's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And and they and they both shout for Gallows, and the camera pans to him at the end of the hallway, and he's not facing them. And he turns around, and he's got blacked-out sunglasses, and his pants are around his ankles. His underwear is still up. But his pants are around his ankles, and he's just like, Guys! Guys, where are you? And Carl Anderson just goes, Oh, no, he didn't. I didn't what? You son of a bitch, you started jacking off again. We're going to lose again now. What? No, I didn't. Immediately walks into wall. Oh my god, you went blind from it! Oh, this is... You know what? You guys can get your own ride to the to the restaurant. I'm too pissed off to ride with you now. Oh, and Kenny's like, I'll help him, I'll help him. And so he gets Gallows' arm over his shoulders, and they start walking. And Gallows tries to brace himself on an empty coat rack, and it just immediately breaks, and Gallows falls over and almost takes Kenny with him. God damn it. And that's the whole bit. It was... It was legitimately hilarious just for seeing Gallows take a bump through a clothes rack. You should have said clothesline. But it wasn't, though. It was like one of those metal rolling ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, But language... Language is evolving, Watson. No, then we have a recap of the arcade anarchy match. That was fine. That was fun. It was mostly just like showing off more detailed shots of the setup and uh, some some shots from the show. Um, then we got a nice little bit of uh, editing of archive footage and new footage of the Bucks going about their daily lives and just every once in a while looking in a mirror and kind of kind of thinking for a second as like all these old lines and all these recent lines play over each other and they think about how far they've come and the person that helped get them as far as they've come and where they go next. And that closed out BTE is a bit of a, is a short one, bit of a somber one, but uh, yeah. Um, Then we had Road to Dynamite, 
which consisted of a solid promo from Darby, uh, basically calling out JD, saying like, "Yo, you're not too old. You just, you're just getting started. You've got the passion. I know you've got it. You better bring it on Wednesday." And then a promo from JD, basically getting over his character, talking about like, "Oh, I'm the blue collar traveling man. I represent everybody who." has a dream and wanted to follow it, but they don't quite look the part. Bob uh, is everything you'd expect to come out of his mouth to establish his character. He says, yeah. And it's like, you did a very good job of that, but you said nothing that surprised me. So, all right. <laughs> I mean, that whole little group, and that's another thing. They're a group right now and not a faction, but like, you can kind of understand mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're snivelly heels. Yeah. And that combined with, uh, I listened to CBB's interview with Ryan Nemeth this week. Mm-hmm. Ryan Nemeth is a really cool dude. Like I, I would highly it. recommend checking that out. I don't doubt it. Um, so I'm I'm low key into that group now. Uh, but I just wonder why Peter Avalon's not hanging around them too. I think he he must have gotten injured or got COVID or something, mm. and they're keeping it on the DL. Yeah, because, For like, what? he was working with Cesar Bononi, and now Cesar Bononi's working with them. I I would imagine that would be a good little grouping mm-hmm. of not necessarily a faction, but, like, we're stronger together. So until, yeah. until, we can, until we can break apart, let's work together. All the indie lads coming out together. They all, look that, like, that. they all look like low-level enforcers that Spider-Man would beat up in a comic. They look like, they look like local indie dudes, and there's nothing wrong with that. You no. need people like that every once in a while. Yep, yep, yep. Um, then we got the, the same video package for Mox Bucks versus Omega Bros that ended up airing on Dynamite, so no, no real need to go into that. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then uh, I did watch one bit from Elevation this week, and that's an interview that Paul White did uh, with uh, John Silver in a new segment called The Elevation Spotlight. Um, what was the thing that Cody did uh, forever ago? when AEW Undesirable was- to undeniable. Is this like a new version of that? Basically. Great, because that's a great segment, but it was very much of the time aew was doing like i couldn't i don't see it happening again yeah it was it was upstart wwe didn't want us so we made our own thing kind of content yeah but now just having hey here's an interview with a new talent we're we're building up or promoting it's just a good thing to do yeah having paul white do it a veteran makes total sense yeah and it's great because it's paul white talking to this guy who he's maybe been in the same building as a couple times, but hasn't gotten to really talk to yet. And you got the feeling like this was their first interaction and it's him going like, Hey kid, what's your gimmick? What's, what's, what have you been through? How long have you been wrestling? What, what, what's your thing? I've seen a couple of your matches. You seem cool. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. Awesome. Great. Keep working on it. It was literally that kind of interview and it it felt really sweet. Paul seems like a kind of sweet, like, older figure that uh, younger wrestlers can like look to and lean on for like not necessarily advice for how to be a better wrestler but comfort to be a better person mm-hmm. he seems like it's... that like kind of even head that you can go like hey paul i'm having a problem 
can you just hear me out for a minute? You don't, you don't have to tell me anything. Just like be a sounding board for yeah, me. Definitely. And like, he's one of those wrestlers that people joke about it nowadays, but like, he seems like he's a great dad. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of those kind of guys that you need backstage for the younger talents. Yeah. It, because they have like they have a good number of veterans there they're going like here's how you can improve in the ring they have a good number of veterans here that are here's how you improve on the promo big show seems to be here to be hey here's how you can improve being a human being and not let this business get to you mm-hmm. which you need people like that in any kind of business where no matter how much aw seems to be a great place to work no matter how much we say this company treats its wrestlers right. No matter how much the company does treat its wrestlers right, it is a business that is eventually going to chew you up some and spit you out. Definitely. So you need that kind of, like, good soul to kind of help people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, good, good little video. Definitely go check it out because I did upload it separately, folks. That's good. Um. And then uh, I just randomly clicked on this because I've been subscribed to Game Changer for a little while, but I haven't watched much of their content. Um, but the uh, the new spring break uh, is coming up. And so Joey Janela did a little bit of a promo getting over his match at that. Uh, and it was, it was really interesting because it kind of fro- threw me in the deep end and made me understand what's going on with Game Changer right now, where it seems like, the current storyline that's main event worthy but isn't about the title is that someone uh he said their name a few times but i i I didn't recognize the name so it didn't stick but somebody somehow weaseled the rights from spring break away from joey janela in kayfabe and is now lording it over them where they're going to have a match at this new spring break show that's happening in a few weeks um or it might actually be happening this week. I, I, I think it might be like a Mania weekend type thing. Right. Um, and if Joey wins, then he gets the rights back to Spring Break in perpetuity. If he loses, then this person gets all the profits from Spring Break this mm. year. And it's very much like a, a, a promo of him drinking and talking about like the snakes and the bastards in this industry. And, you know, you're my opponent is one of them. And I'm going to reclaim what's mine because the thing about this match is you have everything to lose, but I have nothing to lose. It's a, it's a really solid promo. Yes. I, I would uh, I would recommend checking it out, uh, especially if you're going to be watching that Spring Break show, which I may take a look at. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but overall, that's kind of most of the news of wrestling. So we got mm-hmm. we got to get to Dynamite. Now, first things first, I got to say, my me, my episode of Dynamite was weird. There was a lot more crowd noise than I expected. Um, I couldn't hear commentary at all. Um, there was no camera angles at all throughout the night. It, it, it was weird. Um, uh, it wasn't, there was a little bit of a draft. I don't, I don't, I don't know what was going on. Um, how was your Dynamite? Uh, it was fine. It was normal. Um, it was it was it was slightly twinged. Uh, I will say just slightly twinged with jealousy because 
unlike you, I was not there. <laughs> yeah, I, me, Coates, and a couple other uh, friends uh, went to go see some AEW live and in action. What's up? You beat me to it. Um, uh, was this like a birthday kind of thing? Because yeah, hey, it was, was Bo- it was Boingo's birthday last week. Yeah, yeah that was the, that was the idea. It's just like because. I didn't. I don't have any physical objects I need. Nothing like that. And anything I would want is like expensive. Yeah. So like, hey, thirty bucks a ticket. That seems like a fun thing to do. Let's just fucking do that. Why not? Yeah. And like, I say slightly twinged with jealousy because I'll admit I was really mad when Cody let it slip to me. Like I was, I was like fuming for a few minutes there, <laughs> and then I went. Well, think about it, motherfucker. He's a poor boy. You have a full-time job. If you were in or anywhere near Jacksonville, you would put aside money to go to AEW every fucking week. So just be happy for him that he can have this. Yeah, I didn't tell you because I wanted to, like, do that joke on the stream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just have you go like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I went to see them live. What? Uh, uh, no, but, but no, Cody let it slip to me uh, when we were just chatting on Instagram the night before. Like he said, I forget what we were talking about, but he said something like, I don't know if I can, we were talking about some toy that got revealed and he was like, I don't know if I'll be able to afford to pre-order that. Cause this AEW shit's going to mess me up this week. And I was like, AEW shit. Are you collecting the figures now? What's going on? And he goes, uh, and I just said question marks. He goes, uh, and I go, Cody, what the fuck? <laughs> And he goes, Chris and I are going to Dynamite tomorrow. <laughs> and he just texted me. He was like, was Vax supposed, not supposed to know? And I was like, no, he can know. It's fine. I was just going to do a bit. <laughs> That's it. It wasn't me being malicious. It was just like, nah, this would be a fucking great ass bit. It would have been. It it really would have been. But uh, so, no. Yeah, I went to before Mecca. Before we I get into the actual place. show, before we get into the show that everyone saw, tell us about the experience leading up to the actual dynamite. Okay, so we head up to Jacksonville. Cody got off of work, so we're he we take a roundabout way because Cody needed to pick something up. But we get into Jacksonville, and we're just going like, all right, cool. We'll we'll hang out at them all. We'll walk around some places. Wait till like five. Go get some dinner. Because my dad lives in Jacksonville, and he was like, oh, hey, what if we got dinner together and just hung out for a bit? So that's what we did. And I met up with my dad. Uh, we don't talk a ton. We don't meet up often, but, like, it was nice to see I him. I it was a pleasant interaction. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny, though, because the way my family just has – I've just grown up with it is we're a very sarcastic lot, and we banter all the fucking time. Mm. Okay. Like, here's the thing. I was a kid and I grew up with Mel Brooks. Mm. Like my grandfather was like, all right, sit down. You're watching Mel Brooks. My grandfather's the kind of guy who has a art print of, uh, the memorial uh, the Lo- that Looney Tunes did for Mel Blanc. Well, that's cool. Like, he is a, like, he's a semi-serious man, but this man has Looney Tunes in his office. It's just full of Looney Tunes. Uh, So, like, that kind of wise-ass 
kind of way of talking. It's just the way my family does. By the way, I just realized we said Cody a whole bunch of times. We don't have context for that on this show. We are not talking about Cody Rhodes. We're talking about Snow Cone 83, our third man from analytical fanboys. Yeah, our boy, our Cody. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, me and my dad were just bouncing off each other, and, and, like, the waitress was taking our order, and me and my dad were just joking and just going back and forth, and she started laughing. And my dad was just like, hey, hey, don't, don't give him a pity laugh. And I go like, ah, oh, come on, it's a, it can be a funny joke. And he was like, nah, it's not, because something's got to be wrong. It's either the way you're telling it or your presentation. And I just go like this, well, I mean, you gave me my presentation. Oh! <laughs> Savage! <laughs> and, like, it's just a whole thing of that. And as we were leaving, Cody, Cody was just like, you guys just... You guys were going at a million miles per hour telling jokes and just, like, going back and forth. (laughs) And he was just, like, impressed. Because me and my dad rarely talk, but, like, we were just immediately, like, no, we can do bits now. We can just do bits. See, that's the exact opposite of how my family is. We're very touchy-feely. Be careful you don't say something that would mess, get someone too upset. So, to hear that you have that kind of relationship with your family is really nice. Oh, no, like, legitimately, my dad comes up, he's full gray gray beard. He doesn't have a full beard, he, he like, tr- trims all but this. So, it's like, it's that kind of thing. Mm. And I just was like, oh, he, uh, he, finally, he finally started doing Santa again. And it was because he used to be a mall Santa. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, look at you. You're more like Santa now. And I go like, yeah, but it's more like Tim Allen. Ooh. <laughs> wow. And it's just like, it's that kind of weird back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, we went to Daly's place. Um, it, what time did you get there? Uh, About 6.30. Okay. Okay. So good, good bit before Dynamite starts. Well, the show starts at 7.30. Because they did two elevation it's... matches before uh, oh. we went live on TV. The first one was Miro against the job guy. Miro okay. looked great. Uh, I was so happy to see Miro. It was fucking choice. I don't remember who what the second one was. Now, I understand you weren't sitting anywhere near the ring and there were relations and whatnot. Did you meet anyone? Okay, this is going to be fucking weird. Okay. So, the way you order merch, the way you get merch at the, the show was you go to a website, you pick what it is, get it in a cart, so you can do minimal contact mm-hmm. when getting merch. They actually, interestingly, they advertised that on the show for the first time this week. Yeah, no, it's it's a good system. I liked it. Um, and we, me and Cody had ordered our stuff, and so we were walking down to the booth to pick it up. And as we were walking down, I noticed a guy with brown hair and a man bun. I was like, okay, whatever. And then I looked at him more, and he was wearing a hoodie. I was like, okay. And then I saw what he was like was on his legs, and the man was wearing shorts and a kick pad and kick pads. No, we walked past Jack Evans. Oh. Okay. That's not, for 
for a second there, I thought you were going to say Orange Cassidy, and I would have been like, God damn, dude. No, no, no. We walked past Jack Evans, and, uh, like, the second I went, like, is that Jack Evans? I didn't want to bother him because, A, the show is about to start, and I don't want to be that asshole. Mm-hmm. And, B, I don't want to be that asshole. He's here to work. Like, that's not his job right now. Yeah. You know? So, I just went to Cody's, that's fucking Jack Evans. As he was, like, walking away, that was fucking Jack Evans. Because he was, like, picking up a towel. So, like, I was, like, maybe three, four, five feet away from Jack Evans. Because, like, we were just both walking. And he, we kind of, like, got close a little bit. And we walked away. Mm, nice. So, that was weird. Um, no, but, like, we saw... Well, we were close enough that we could, like, p- actually pick out people uh, as they were coming out. And, like, this big... This big guy, bald, with a goatee, got up to the uh, announce booth, and I was just like, oh shit! And I, uh, and I like, went like, to Cody, and I was like, that's the big show. I was like, that's the, he, that's the big show? Yeah, that's the big show. He took a photo and messaged me, just big show, and I said, that is some large entertainment. Yeah. Um, and, and that was just kind of the, the beginning uh, Justin Roberts was hyping up the crowd going like, are you ready? Yeah. And Tony Khan did the, Hey guys, can you, can you not swear? Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then the show starts and we'll get into the show as we get into it. But before that, I did get some merch. I, mm-hmm. I got some, uh, kingly merch. Let's just say I got me some Lucha bros, which funnily enough, until literally last night, they were the last AEW figures that weren't out yet that I was after. <laughs> and uh, I just, I happened to come into some extra money last night, and I was like, I wonder if those are still up on ringside. Because somebody had said they had had a restock of him of them earlier this week, and I was like, shit, I don't have any money. Uh, so I went and checked, and truly enough, they were. So I've got, I've got those guys on the way to me. Um, and I, and it was great cause I had enough money that I was able to get those. And that was half of that money. And the other half went on my credit card. Nice, so nice. I felt, I felt responsible. Yeah. Buying action figures, responsibility. <laughs> uh, no, these, these guys are really good. I have like, I haven't had anything wrong with Ray Phoenix. He is good. He's solid. Great articulation because that's just how the AEW figures go. I haven't had any issues with him. He's good. Pentagon, Penta. I wouldn't say they're issues. They're nitpicks. They're they're think they're they're eccentricities of this figure and this figure alone that do not impede the ability to use the figure. Okay. Let me just iterate that. First things first. His right elbow. Okay. I'm <laughs> showing my camera that's going to be streamed out, and I'll then I'll show the camera that's being sent to you. I'll click over to the tab. Don't okay. worry. Okay. So. Overall, his elbow's fine. It holds the pose. Mm-hmm. It it does everything as you need it to do. The only thing is, it has a weird little bit of give in the joint. Not in the way the joint is used. That's solid. That the works. pin's not in there super tight. It's not super in. It's not super in there tight. So there is some give like that. But holding a pose, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Moving him into a pose, it's fine. It holds. So that's why I'm saying it's a nitpick. It's not like it ruins the functionality of the toy. 
it's just more of like it, it, it's a it's little a, loose it's a construction issue that were you buying that for your kid would be very scary but given that you're an adult collector who knows joint understands joint tolerances and stuff like that shouldn't be a real problem no and as always i could always eventually go in with like some floor polish and like maybe thicken it up so it doesn't do that i don't know I, I'm not plussed about it because once I get him into a pose, I'll probably leave him there for a bit and then eventually repose him. Um, the only other problem I had, and I don't know if it's on me or if this is a construction issue or if this is how they're done and I just kind of did something I wasn't supposed to. His right leg, the, be the best way to put it is I was bending his leg and the calf popped out. Like it would with a ball joint. But it's not a ball joint, it's a pin and socket joint. Hmm. Because the socket, the ring that his calf is on, had a split right there. So it kind of like popped out like that. Yeah, I, th I think it's that way on all the figures, but they kind of try and hide it with the trunks. Looking at my, my MJF. But it was just, it, was, it wasn't the thigh, it was the calf. It was knee down. Hmm. Okay. I was able to get back on, and I haven't had any problems, and like, it's solid. It isn't moving. Like, I'm not worried about it, but it was just like a, it was a worrying thing in the moment. An assembly I, issue. Probably. I don't know if it's it assembly. popped in there as tight as it's supposed to be. Maybe, maybe I just pushed the knee joint too far because like, yeah, no, it's definitely push. It's pushing the knee hey. joint too far. But, okay. But now I can show the audience what I'm talking about. It's like, that's a split right there. I'm showing you now on your camera. Oh, feed. is that, does that look like that's supposed to be that way? I can't tell for the camera. I think, I don't think it's supposed to be this way because the inside looks like ripped plastic. That's not great. No, but it only happens when I, when I mindlessly bend the knee. Yeah. So that's it, the first time I've heard of that ha of an AEW figure breaking, though. Yeah, so that's so, interesting. So I don't know if it's uh, a major issue. Don't think it is. I think I just was being a little dumb and pushing it too far. Uh, and I'm gonna fix this after the show. But like, especially with how big Pentagon's uh, knee pads are, you kind of have to be a little mm -hmm. selective with how you bend them. I understand why they are, because it makes it easier to reuse parts, but there's a big part of me that wishes the pads weren't separate pieces and that they were sculpted on. Make the joints a little more easy to deal with. Yeah, but see, like, that's how it is on the, the thigh. Mm -hmm. But overall, like, when I was doing that, that had no issue. When I uh, am working gingerly with the knee, no issue. It's when I basically evangelist manhandle it. That's when there's an issue. Yeah. The evangelist manhandle. That should be on TV tropes or something. But like, so that's what I'm saying is like, the figure is fine. It's nitpicks. It's little tiny problems that like are, aren't that big an issue. Hmm. Or they could be a bigger issue if I like cared. All right. So you've got free AEW figures now. And I believe you said you had a WWE figure once, right? I don't 
think I have a WWE guy. Well, I, in any case, I'd have to go because th- here's the thing: I I have limited space. Hold on, I can actually show it. I have limited space on my shelf. Uh huh. So there's all my Ghostbusters. There's uh I can't remember her name right now, but Sigourney Weaver's back there. Lightning Red. Uh, Pizza Spider-Man, Chewbacca, there's Orange. Mm-hmm. So, like, I could probably get some more figures behind these guys, but I, did, I haven't had the room, so I put all my figures in a box right where my arm is pointing. So, that's where I keep, like, my Godzilla, my Doctor Strange, uh, my Batroc the Leaper. But... Thing is, you've got two tweeners and a yep. definitive base now. Yep. That's enough boys to make a match. When are you going to move Zeon down to Walmart and get yourself a ring? Uh, when I have money and space. <laughs> Considering I'm in limited supply of both of those. Just saying, you're building up a roster now, and you know if you ever want to complete Death Triangle, oh when yeah, you get the, when you get to the summit, I do have uh, I do have pack. I haven't opened them yet, but I do have pack. Yeah, like see, here's I can I feel comfortable bending Pentagon's knee about that far. That's not bad for that leg at least, and maybe a little bit. Yeah, no, I that feels about the same on the other leg. So like, yeah. He also has, like, these are thick pants. Mm-hmm. He has thick legs compared to, like, Phoenix and the cat. Like, Cassidy is a goddamn stick compared to these guys. Yeah, because he's got the rubber shorts, right? Yeah, but, like, just, just look at the, the, the size of these men compared to each other. This guy, thin and light, this guy fucks you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just real quick while we're on figure talk I've shown it a couple times already but I did open my uh, my Series 2 MJF last night who I got as part of a damaged packaging deal from Ringside a few weeks ago uh, and he's pretty solid he's probably the most just plain Wrestleman from this line that I've opened so far yeah but that's, uh, that's MJF yeah um I think the face sculpt is just a tad off because it it looks a little looks a little Ken dollish to be honest. Um, but it looks enough like him that I'm not mad about it. And uh, scarf, it's a tad unmanageable. I was expecting there to be like a wire in it, but it's just a piece of cloth doubled up on itself. Mm. So you just got to kind of drape it under him, kind of use his arms to pin it down is what I do. Um, but it, it is a decent figure overall. It, it does just about everything you'd want an MJF to do. You know, it comes with a microphone. So it's going to it's gonna be permanently post doing a promo. Um, and uh, one cool detail that I got of him from the figure that I've never noticed on the actual person, there's Burberry scarf detailing on the back of his knee pads. Nice. Yeah. Like that's the back joint on uh, Ray Phoenix. Yeah, that's that's about what the average unrivaled can do, and that's pretty good. Like 
Well, imagine him getting like wrench, posing him, having someone else wrenching him into a Snapdragon suplex. Or imagine Miro pulling a game over. Yes. But the tattoos are also like really well printed. Mm -hmm. They're very clear. They're very well done. Their gear is fantastic. Because here's the thing. Orange Cassidy is not a good representative of most of the wrestlers. No, no. Orange Cassidy, and this goes for anything involving him, is really unique. Yeah. Like, these are my... Like, here's the thing. Orange Cassidy is a wrestling figure. These are what I would consider the first wrestling figures. Because they're, mm-hmm. like, they're, funk, they're meant to be more ring gear mass the whole full wrestling yeah. style they're fighty boys you can have them fight each other and and it does actually make sense because they've had a couple brother versus brother matches well orange cassidy feels much more of like this is a figure from a line that like i could see that being in a marvel legends character you know yeah or even like i'm sure there's plenty of people who aren't into wrestling who would want to buy that just as like a figure you can pop into the background of a diorama that's not a specific character for the dior- the universe you're doing this diorama for, but you need some background guys. Yeah, he he is a pretty generic-looking dude, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. You couldn't and say that about that's a joke. No. But, uh, no. Really enjoy Penta, really enjoy Ray. I was... The, the, a part of me was also going, like, Oh man, it'd be cool to get Pac or Darby because I had bought these together. And when mm-hmm. I went to see if like maybe I could get the others, they were sold out. Yeah, because that's what they said on the show on TNT was they did a whole ad of like, if you are here and you go and you go to this specific web address, um, and I think they said like you get a code on your ticket or something like that to get into the web address. Um, we have a limited supply of Unrivaled Collection Series 2 in stock here in the building. Mm-hmm. That's that's that was that was the ad read. It wasn't we have this is how you get your merch here. It was if you're looking for Unrivaled Collection Series 2 and you're here, get on your phone now. Yeah. I we wouldn't have been able to see that. But uh mm-hmm. but Cody and uh our other co- toy collector friend who was with us did get a Darby. So Nice. That's Cody's first wrestle figure. It's Darby. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Did he get that before or after seeing Darby's match? Before. He just liked the fact that he came with a skateboard. Sick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, show starts. Justin Roberts is going like, all right, I'm going to count you, uh, count us down. Cheers so that people know what's going on. Yeah, do it. So he counts this down, and then on the screen we do get the first thing that pops up in the the card we have, the Inner Circle uh, pre-taped promo, pre-taped hype package, essentially. It's like a bunch of dudes in on motorcycles, and there's a helicopter in the background, and then uh, I think like two Humvees and a few sports cars roll up, and then out of each of them comes a member of the Inner Circle, and you see they're all in their new gear, and it's like, all right. They're they're here. They're ready to go. Yeah, I do think I I think that might have been in Daly's place parking lot. <laughs> oh, it was definitely in Daly's place parking lot. And like the the thing that I thought was cool about it is that just kind of plays apropos of nothing. There's a little bit of the commentary table, but it just kind of plays. 
and then they go into the intro. It's like a proper um, cold drama open. teaser. It's a proper cold open, and I thought that was really cool that they did that on a wrestling show. Um, we then go into the intro, because we saw the intro on screen, and it got us hype, and we're, we're cheering, and then it's a, it's a few minutes, a few seconds of dead silence, because you have... It's Wednesday. Uh, it's Wednesday night. You know what that means? We couldn't hear that again. Mm-hmm. No commentary for us. Do do we just want to kind of go through my experience live instead of going back and forth? Yeah, let's let's do that, and I'll I'll chime in with stuff from perspective of watching the show as we go. So the first thing we had was Hangman Adam Page versus Platinum Masscaster with Anthony Bowens. This was a good match. This was a good, like, first proper Dynamite match to see live. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Caster had some good lines. Yeah, there was some there. There was some good shit. Uh, there, he almost said, like, suck my dick or something. He, he was saying something about, like, blowing vape pens as, like, an allegory for it. And then Bowens grabs the mic from him and goes, whoa, you can't say that on TNT. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the match was good. It was a good, like, kind of... As a live experience, it was a good first match to kind of go, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, Let me ask you this. Do they have big screens where they're playing the TV feed, or are you just watching the best you can from where you're sitting? When they're on the ground outside the ring, they do pop it up, so it's easier to see. But for where we were, it was easy enough to see the entire ring. So I didn't see a need to have it. And for most people, I wouldn't see a need to have it. Uh, But no, they didn't have it anyway. Okay. Because I remember way back when I went to that SmackDown, that was the thing. Was constantly, they had the TV feed up on the, like, four-pronged Titantron that's above the ring. So... If you can't get a good view from your seat, you can just look up at that. It's like you're watching SmackDown at home. Yeah. Uh, The only... The the thing about that is, like, at Daly's Place, there's only one big screen. And it's right Mm -hmm. in the middle of the uh, the stage. So it might just look a little weird going TV, and that's probably why they don't do it often. Yeah. Um, There was one really cool character moment in this match that I liked. I don't know if you could see it from where you were at, but... There's a moment when um, Max and Adam are on the outside and Hangman just kind of notices that the boombox is right next to the turnbuckle as uh, Max is like catching his breath. And he turns and he sees that Anthony Bones is behind him and he just grabs the boombox and hands it to him. Like, are you going to do it? My motherfucker ref's right there. Do it. Yep. No, and we- Anthony Bones just backs up. No, we could, I could see that. That was I. We couldn't. See, I couldn't see their faces, and that's how they do a lot of storytelling in wrestling. I couldn't see the facial expressions, but I could get the vibe of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, they do try a distraction spot with uh, a distraction with the boombox while they while Anthony hands the golden chain to Max Caster. Yeah. Uh, they they do a variety of things, but eventually Hangman does get in a buckshot lariat and wins, continuing to cement him being number one in the position. And then we had a good minute of silence on our part because I would imagine it was them going. What like, had happened on the TV feed was 
because a couple times during the match, they had mentioned that the episode was airing on National Beer Day. So Hangman goes off to the side, and on the heel side, there's a little ice cooler, and he just gets out a bunch of page wisers and starts drinking, and he like hangs the, hands them two heels as he walks off. Yeah, and he goes up the. He went up the ramp. We saw that, and he uh, he did a cheers with a plant, uh, very obviously mm-hmm. a planted uh, person there because it was safer. Um, yeah. and then it was like a, a little bit of a silence. It wasn't long. It wasn't like a minute or anything. It was just like a brief moment where like Jr. Excalibur was like, and now we cut to Tony Schiavone, who's going to do an interview with Death Triangle. Death Triangle comes out, and I didn't expect to see any of them. Because they weren't announced previously. So it's like, fuck yeah, Death Triangle. I just got the Lucha Bros. This is sick. Uh, and they come out. They cut the promo going like, hey, we're going to win the tag putt titles. Because we're fucking awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the other person I didn't expect to see tonight. Because he wasn't announced. Orange Cassidy and the best boy. friend. The boy. How, how loud did you scream? How loud I was, did you scream? I was excited. I was excited, man. I screamed. <laughs> and I did the thing I do whenever I go watch a thing with Cody because it's just I always usually sit up next sit next to Cody so I just was like Cody it's fucking Orange Cassie fuck yeah <laughs> yeah he cut the promo and I was it was hype and he basically says like hey if you win the tag battles we have history we want first go mm-hmm. which. Nice. And Pac's like, motherfuckers, we beat the shit out of you. And aren't you, haven't you been stalling out in the rankings? And they're like, oh, we're going to climb back up. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't And worry. it won't be that hard because guess what? We're at full strength again. Plus, we have an alien. Yeah, and I love how uh, Chris Atlander's kind of hesitant to go like, do do they want me here? And then friends go like, come on, get in here. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And she's so happy. There's a screen cap of her going in for the handshake and she's just got the biggest smile on her face it's adorable it is such a good fit just that whole group Mm -hmm. like none of it makes sense but it just makes sense wonderful uh and then i don't know if they showed you guys this but there was like a 10 second clip of just mike tyson in that daily's place training field with they said his name i didn't recognize the name i was just like he's probably the coach of the jaguars yeah. All right, that happened. No, we Yay. saw that. It, it, we saw that to kind of go like, hey, Mike Tyson is here. Um, we then get to the Judas segment where uh, Chris, uh, Chris Jericho is coming out. They do the whole Judas thing. Um, we're all singing along, doing that whole thing. That was, that was fun. Actually, How many... Getting- did you were you the only one in your group that knew the words? Or no, no, uh, one of the uh, the other wrestling fan in the group knew the, all the words. Uh, Cody didn't, and uh, the other wrestling fan's girlfriend, who was that was the whole group, she didn't know. So me and him were just singing along. You're just you're just going crazy, and they're like, "All right, yeah, yeah, yeah." And we're singing along, and I don't know when it would when it cut out on the live feed, but eventually, like. We do the whole intro, we do the whole theme, and Chris Jericho gets on the mic and goes like, we got something to say, and we'll say it right after the commercial break. And we just like, No, no, ah. they did that, and then went right into the break, oh. which I thought was hilarious. No, we were all just like, oh, come on, Chris Jericho, that's great. And um, during the break, he's like hyping us up, and he's going like, Jackson Bell, doing the whole 
uh, hyping up the crowd and everything. And eventually, so he was still on the mic that whole time. Oh yeah, no, he not the whole time, but he he popped in and out and did all that kind of stuff because they were doing. Uh, Sammy Guevara was doing his cue cards thing. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, we could see that, but we couldn't see all of it. Um, see, he hasn't done that in a long time, and I didn't actually get to see the. There was no picture in picture for this break, so I didn't see that. Oh, shame. Yeah, no, he did it. Um, and eventually, the crowd just started going in a circle, and we we just started doing that. And they and, came back on that champ. No, 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 no. Here's a movie magic. We started doing it, and Chris Joke was like, yeah, I love that energy. Real quick, I'll give you the warning. When we start to go back live, can you start chanting that again to make us look really cool? And we all laughed. It's like, ah, Chris Jericho. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. And so he went like, all right, we're about to go live. And we started doing and we started doing the chant again because, hey, Chris Jericho asked nicely. And, they, and that's when you guys came back into it. Excellent. Yeah, no, that was a fun moment just because it was so it was so personable with uh, Chris. Again, parasocial. He's a he's a guy on stage performing for us, but he had a, it was a very kind of like oh fun. It was fun. It's it's an audience interaction moment in wrestling, and that's that's a very key part of it. And like, but he knew part we of the were reason I'm still in slightly. On. Yeah, and part of the reason I'm still slightly jealous of you for getting to go to this is especially now that we're getting into the discussion of it, it sounds like there's much more actual playing to the in-house audience there than there was at that SmackDown I went to. Because remember, I described that as, that did not feel like I was at a live wrestling show. That felt like I was at a taping of a TV show. Yeah, no, they they, they did try to like interact with us a little bit. Debate. It, it was a lot of like Justin Roberts coming in during commercial break going like, hey guys, we're in commercial break. Just to let you know, I'll war- I'll tell you when we're about to go live if you want to get hype. And like, are you doing good? And he would he uh, at one point in time when there was like a longer commercial break, he was like, all right, who's from Jacksonville? Eh. Who's from out of state? Eh. Who's from Wisconsin? Madison, Wisconsin, and he just like listed cities from Wisconsin for no reason. It was funny. <laughs> um. No, but they they. I wouldn't say they tried to keep us engaged during commercials, but they did. They kept, they let us in on the know. They was like, "Hey, we're in commercial right now." So they kept us up to date. Best way to put it. Um, but they were they weren't like overly like, "Oh, we're in commercial." Hey, we're about to come out. Cheer. They were like, "Hey, no, we're out of commercial." In like five, in like ten, nine, and we would all start cheering, and he would continue counting down because we we wanted to play into it. Yeah. Uh, but Chris Jericho is there with the inner circle and he cut a damn good promo. It was, it was one of probably the best promos I've heard in a while. A really good, just a really good rundown, sort of doing the counterpoint to what MJF had done to establish the pinnacle. He's now doing to establish the inner circle as a face faction. He, He basically goes over like, yeah, we all got beat really bad because we didn't stop to consider what if MJF was putting together his own group. We were too busy trying to control just him. And that cost us. That cost us a few weeks in the hospital and a lot of self-reflection. And yeah, now we're I really back. Like, 
I really like the part where he was like, and like it costs us your trust in us as people, and we're, for that we apologize. Yeah, like he like. I don't know how many face turns there's been, but I I hazard a guess there's been less than ten where they turn face and they had genuinely apologized to the audience, going like, "Hey, yeah, we were shitty people. You were right to boo us." Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a neat little twist. Yeah, but they basically go like, "Yeah, we we're gonna now try and be the best versions of ourselves that we possibly can be," and like. You all know how great we are. We all we've always talked up how great we are. So we don't need to need to do that again. So let's dunk on the pinnacle. Uh, so we we get the uh, the introduction of everybody's new favorite uh, translation of the acronym, my jackoff friend. Yep. Um, and then uh, we go into uh, Tolly Blanchard talking about like how he's one of the least notable people in the four horsemen. Uh, Jericho says he can't tell Dax and Cash apart. Um, makes makes a reference to the thing that their names are a reference to. Um, he he says that Sean Spears, the only time he's ever been notable is when he called him for advice after getting kicked out of WWE, which I thought was funny. Yeah, and uh, um, he also made fun of his mohawk. Yeah, and then he had a line on Wardlow that would have been great, except he got it mixed up because he what he said was Wardlow has a hundred dollar brain and a ten cent body, but the line was clearly supposed to be he has a ten cent brain and a hundred dollar body because the next thing he says is in order to count to a hundred he has to strip naked. No, in order to count to twenty one. Mm. You get the joke, right? No, I just thought it was like a he's counting his muscles type thing. No, no, no. Because he has a bunch of muscles. Ten fingers, ten toes, one penis. Oh. Because that's what he says. Like, think about it for a second. You'll get it. <laughs> yeah, no, that... <laughs> I didn't notice that in the moment. It was just like, yeah, Chris Jericho's talking. Yeah. Neither did I. I just saw Botchamania pointed out on Twitter that, uh, this morning. Yeah. Uh, the pineapple. Yeah. The pineapple. Which, Which is, is a great, great way of like making fun of them without making them seem weak. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it was a really solid promo. Uh, and he then ends off by saying that now that they have another faction to go against, he wants the thing he was promised over a year ago, blood and guts, it's happening a month from that show on Dynamite. That's going to be fun. I don't know how they're going to fit two rings in Daly's place. Neither do I, but I'm excited to see. And flipping, um, this, this announcement kind of sent a little shockwave through the wrestling fandom where, like, Half the discussion I saw this morning was people saying, like, "Ah, I don't know um, about leaning into this all of a sudden. Like, yeah, this is the direction they've been going, but they just had that really bloody woman's match. And, you know, looking at the viewing figures for all of wrestling across the board, female viewership is down because we're, and I think that's probably because we're going in more of a blood and guts direction and women don't like blood and guts. And I'm like, maybe. Maybe women have other shit to watch right now. Maybe women. Have 
maybe there are women who have discovered pirating recently. Like, calm down, everybody. No, genuinely, one like the challenge just started up on MTV, and it has one of the highest in that demographic women's viewership, and it airs at the same time. Mm. Legitimately, there's another show they're watching. So, thank you, because I'm going to shoot that off the next time I hear somebody say that. Like, that's all Brian Alvarez has been talking about for the last three days, and it's got me really and really wound up, because I'm like, Brian Alvarez, I like you, but you're getting way too fixated on this. And, but, and, but, and what's, and here's the thing, they've always popped a rating when blood and gut stuff happen. Mm-hmm. They get more views. But historically, because remember they did in the Attitude Era, not a lot of women watched during the Attitude Era. So historically, women don't like Blood and Guts. Maybe women didn't like the Attitude Era because the Attitude Era was when we had women strip naked during matches. Yeah, I have a feeling that had a lot more to do with it. Yeah. Like, just the other day, I saw somebody post a GIF of that that segment where Sable is practically naked except for like a thong and pasties. And it's like, this is a moment when billions of boys awakened in their sexuality. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also horribly tasteless. And I feel really sorry for Sable looking at it. Yeah. Like, the Attitude Era did a lot of good for the wrestling business. But there's a lot of dark spots that longtime wrestling fans don't want to look on. Mm -hmm. Attitude Era was not some golden era. It was not perfect. It was not untouchable there isn't really a, a golden era of perfect untouchableness in wrestling we're kind of only just now getting to an era where it's like there's very few things that you can really dunk on from a moral standpoint and we just got rid yeah. of most of them like not even a year ago yeah i was about to say something along those lines but uh no this jericho promo was good it was solid it it also didn't dive a ton in, like, it was jokey, but it wasn't a dive a ton into, like, comedy. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Uh, they all look good. I like the all-black kind of, not biker gear, but, like, it definitely feels like they're a biker gang. It's pseudo-Hells Angels. Pseudo-Hells Angels, but it's, like, modern, but it has that vibe, which is... Fun. And it's still got some of their own drip in it. Like, yeah, Santana... Yeah. Santana's got this badass, like, jet black jacket, but he's still wearing the proud and powerful shirt underneath it. And, like, I can't remember if it was Santana or Ortiz, but they had a a, a monochrome black and white Puerto Rican flag, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah, that that, that was Ortiz. That vest was awesome. Um, Jericho looked good. Hager looked good. Just overall, it was a solid good segment, and uh, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, next, we did get to see this. Dasha Gonzalez appeared on screen with Christian Cage. And we saw the interview segment the same way you did, just on a big screen in, a, in an arena. And playing through speakers in an amphitheater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we could understand everything fine. Uh, Christian Cage is basically talking, going like, hey, I'm good. I make other people better. And Taz comes in and goes like, yeah, you are good. You do make other people better. You want to make my people better? And by being better yourself, join my team. Think about it. Don't say yes or no right now because we want to hold this off for a couple weeks and build a storyline out of it. 
I'm just gonna, you know what? I was I was gonna try and discuss the segment before I got to this, but I'm just gonna say I want him to say yes. That'd be so much fun, especially because there's so much like dissension in Team Taz. If like Christian Cage joins, that'd be interesting because I could see him joining being the thing that would make Brian Cage just immediately go like, no, I'm done. Or Ricky Starks being like, no, I'm done. See, I like the idea that he comes in and he's like, he's like the regional manager that Taz has pulled in to clean up this location. Yeah. And everybody kind of falls in the step behind Christian Cage and Taz becomes more of a, more of a, um, manager, more of a brand, a brand manager than a hands-on guy. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I like it's an A or B situation. I am interested to see what happens. I'm also interested to see him say no and all of Team Taz solidify and go like, "Fuck this guy." Yeah, that's the other path I can see of him going like, "Nah," and Taz goes like, "All right, Ricky, Brian, fuck him," and they both go mm-hmm. like, "Finally, something we can agree on." Yeah. Um. Also, Brian Cage, Christian Cage. The part of the reason I want that to happen is I think it would be hilarious if if Brian just went up to Christian and said, "Oh, hey, Uncle Christian." No, no, no. You know what? If they if if Christian denies and they start feuding, here's what I want to happen. I want it to end cage versus cage in a cage match. Yeah, that'd be that'd be so dumb. I could see it happening. Oh my god! You know what? That's totally where they're going. They're totally gonna get there somehow. Yeah. Uh, but next, uh, Dress Express and Bear Country have a match sponsored by Godzilla versus Kong. Which, if you want to hear our thoughts about that, go listen to Twit on Modular Media on uh, YouTube. I don't know when I pop in and we talk about Godzilla versus Kong. You might know better. I didn't timestamp it. I didn't even say that you were on it in the video description. I just said a special guest. But yeah, you can go find it. Search through it. There is a there's an audio issue somewhere in the middle, so just skip over that. And I, I put an editor's note in the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Godzilla Kong, Luchasaurus, big on commentary. Boys. They were dead ass calling this a Godzilla versus Kong match. I mean, the promo material looked like it. Um, and there was a funny thing where Jr. as he was as he was introducing it, flubbed up. Or no, this was during. Just after the Tony Schiavone interview, where they were talking about what's coming up on the show, and Jr. goes, "There's a Godzilla versus Ki- uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, a King Go- King Kong versus Godzilla match, uh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong match coming up later on the card." And then he throws to Excalibur, and Excalibur talks about the last match they have to promote, and then he go, and then as Tony's like getting his headset on, he goes. It was Tony, I had a bit of a freak out. You just you know I'm a huge Godzilla fan. <laughs> I imagine this because he's an old fart and he was just mm-hmm. going like it's King Kong. That's his name, King Kong. While the legendary marketing's only been calling him Kong. Yeah. Because so they like, want to differentiate it from the Toho movie, which is Godzilla versus King Kong. No, it's King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they eventually made Mecha King Kong. Wow, that movie was glorious. Oh, man. Godzilla. Uh, but in this match, it was Jurassic Express versus America Country. A lot of big hoss shit with uh, Jungle Boy every once in a while getting in some uh, tiny 
tiny beady uh, underdog shit. He was he was the Millie Bobby Brown of this match. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um weird thing from the other wrestling fan who was there cuz I told Vac this before but he was in his own words he enjoyed AEW, he enjoyed the show but he didn't expect to because normally he's sucking the dick of Jim Cornette so much. Mm-hmm. In his own words. So, like, he was pleasantly surprised. He enjoyed it. He had fun. That's all I'm happy for. I'm glad he enjoyed it. Uh, but, like, when Jurassic Express came out, he was like, oh, man, I'm so glad Marco Stunt isn't in here. I, I don't like Marco Stunt. He looks like a child. And I just go, like, God damn it. Tired ass complaints. Letting the hate flow in and out real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the match was good. A lot of good Hoss stuff. A lot of good uh, Luchasaurus things. Because, of course, it's a Godzilla thing. You want to you wanna promote him and get him over. Bear Country got over Gangbusters. They looked great. Yeah, for, for what I saw of this match, they looked great. Because uh, on the website where we usually watch wrestling... Um, which we're not going to plug directly because it's technically illegal. I um, am a pirate. Yo, fiddle dee. Whoever upload was uploading it as it was airing this week, cut out the end of this match, the QT Marshall promo, the Jake, the snake, the Jake, the snake and sting promo and the Taz promo. I missed all of that. I had to go back and watch what I could find on YouTube. Dang. Well, the end of this match, Jurassic Express won. Luchasaurus won. Nice. It was good. I think Luchasaurus nice. got the pin, too. Oh, no. Uh, Ollie Davis said that in his review, so I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was a good match. I It got Bear Country over, which is good. Uh, but it was kind of a... It's the end of that Bear feud. Country signed? I think they're in the same place as, like, Ryzen, where they're technically AEW talent, but, like, they aren't, like, AEW talent. Mm. We're like, no, we're gonna wrestle here for a while with a semi-exclusive contract, partially because no one else is doing promotions. But, like, they're good. I wouldn't mind if they signed permanently, but also, like, everything is so sacked, I don't want them to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind them being kind of like we'll pop in every once in a while, and when they're when the things heard that thin out, then they can do a big thing. That I wouldn't mind. Uh, but did we did get uh, QT on the big screen uh, cutting his promo, basically saying like, "Hey, uh, what Cody did to me immediately uh, kind of shortchanged me by introducing me as his friend." it immediately placed uh, an expectation of how high I can go. And that's kind of bullshit. Which, you know what? Realistically, it, it makes sense. And he basically goes like, same thing with these guys. They're hungry. They're they're looking for wins. They, they're looking to prove themselves. And he goes over the, all of them and just, like, hypes them up. And the last one is Anthony Agogo, former uh, Br- uh, bronze medalist at the British Olympics, uh... And he just cuts a promo going like, yeah, man, I'm fucking sick. I'm British. Listen to me. I'm going to whip your ass, whoever I go up against. Legit. That was a good promo. Mm-hmm. 
it's also it doesn't feel like a heel promo, but it kind of is. It feels like a it's a inter QT's in an interesting place, and I don't know how to describe it yet. He's not turning heel; he's turning badass, isn't he? Yeah. Also, I just and like I did hear that he threw or two of the guys threw paint at the sign. Yes. And then earlier today at on Twitter, he posted up a tweet where they had repainted that wall to just say the factory which is the name of their faction and the logo for the faction, which is pretty sweet. And I've, and even though we're just getting into this faction and we have no idea if it's going to take off, kind of want the shirt because I really like that logo design. Hold on. But, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up real quick. Cause I hadn't seen that. Is it, mm-hmm. uh, does, is there a shirt on AEW merch? Yeah. Go, go right to new arrivals. It's right there. Um, but they did, uh, they repainted that wall to be that logo and QT posted a tweet saying like, this looks much better. Keep your name off of my building and then at Cody. Mm. That's definitely an interesting thing. And I wonder what this means for Cody as a performer and what it, it what it means going forward. If I had to guess, given the beating they did last week, now we've yet to get announcements about this next week's or a lot of announcements about this week's Dynamite. I don't I think there's probably a temptation to go ahead and have Cody come right back. I don't want them to do that. I think Cody should after that beating that he suffered be written off for a while. Let's have the factory run rough shop for a while and kind of get over. Have each of the guys and some combinations of the guys have some matches on both Dynamite and Dark. And then after the Babby's a few months old, have Cody make his return and you can and if things work out the way I think they'll work out, you could have a big marquee match at Double or Nothing be Cody versus QT. That would be fun. I can definitely see that. And no, the factory logo does look really good. It looks it looks less, hey, we're a faction, and more like, hey, we're a genuine developmental organization. Yeah. Like it, like it's it's one of those things where I'm not invest I'm not wholly invested in this group yet, but that's a sick logo and it looks great on a shirt. Oh yeah, and uh, and I can't wait to see a go go wrestle next week. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Because he's been training and doing commentary on Dark forever, so like this is kind of a big deal that he's finally making his debut. He was their first developmental talent, if you remember, way back when they signed him. Yeah, yeah, and here's the thing: other developmental talent. They probably were independent wrestlers before, but like Preston Vance and Alan Angels, they went through the factory and they started and they debuted a year ago. Yeah, a while, they've been around for a while, so it's interesting that they kept Anthony Go Go wrestling uh, training. I can't wait to see uh, where he's at. I'm interested I'm- to see it. I'm guessing it was like uh, his boxing tendencies didn't match a wrestling match, so they had to really take extra time to train him out of those. Oh, very much so. Because here's the thing, he's so used to going full force with a punch. Yeah. And you got you gotta... <laughs> Throw uh, some softies there, boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next thing we did, come out, uh, Tony Schiavone... Because here's the thing, I, w- I was trying to guess what we might see... Uh, just in general, I was like, uh, and because me and Cody were talking about it on the way up, and I go like, we might see Sting. And it was like, Sting? Yeah, we might see Sting. He's been doing a promo almost every week. It, it's very likely we'll see Sting. 
And I was right, because uh, Tony Fong goes like, this part never gets old. Here's Sting. Sting does his entrance. He comes out, and he starts to do an interview. How close did the snow get to you guys? Nowhere near. Okay. Nowhere near. It's just okay. all on the stage. I wondered, because the way they show it on TV, it looks like it's falling closer to the crowd. No, it's, it's mo- like... If we were in the little, like, you've seen it in the in the video feeds, that little area between where the wrestlers are sitting as a crowd and where the crowd actually starts. Mm. If we were sitting there, it might have gotten on us, but it, uh, so far back, no. Nah. Uh, it was mostly yeah. on the stage. But then uh, Sting does get interrupted by Jake the Snake. Cut, like, I love this line. Sting. What is the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You know what's going to happen. You're going to come out, try and say something. We're going to come out and interrupt you. Basically saying, this has been the joke. This is the point. You may laugh now. And you ain't. And one of the things he says is, you're just going to stand there and take it. You're not going to say shit. And so then... Lance Archer starts going off and complaining about how Sting has guaranteed TV time every week, and yet he hasn't been able to maintain a push. He keeps being in main events and then disappearing for long stretches of time. And Sting interrupts him and goes, yeah, that is bullshit. I do think you have something, kid. I think you're awesome. You deserve to be in those main events, and you deserve to be in them more. I don't know why you're not in them more, but I know it's not my fault. You need to keep working. You need to get out there and get after it. Stop bitching at me. See, here's the thing. I don't know. On TV, it made it look different. But where we, were, I was sitting, it looked like Sting was talking to Jake. You need to do better. You need to get him in front of people. What are you doing? What are you doing wrong? You're failing this yeah. boy. No, no, no. He went into that right after saying that. I was about to go to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that- and like the whole time, Jake's making this face like. I didn't expect this. You were okay. Oh, also, uh, Jake the Snake was there, and Cody was like, "Holy shit, it's Jake the Snake!" <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Because uh, Cody, Cody won't say no to wrestling. He'll watch it and he'll enjoy it, but he's not into wrestling like we are. He's a he is an yeah. utmost casual fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this was. This was a good little segment. I liked the hat hanging on everybody's complaint of like, ah, it's a Sting promo. It's the same thing every week. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, And then next we had the pre-tape promo of Taz telling Ricky Starks to stay in line of just kind of like trying to manage uh, Team Taz going like, hey, we may have a new joinee we need to look unified, and we need to look strong. Hmm. Uh, and then, uh, on generic-ass dynamite music, I don't know if this was in the middle of commercial break, uh, uh, J.D. Drake comes out. I missed the entrances for this match. Okay. My J. feet come back in the middle of this match. Ooh. Uh, J.D. Drake comes out, and then we get Darby Allen's entrance. It's dope. It's cool. And, uh... Where did he come from? He came from the face side. Okay. I'm at, I'm at, like, stage or rafters or ramp. 
stage, like a normal entrance. Um, and, and like, because Cody hadn't never seen Darby Allen, I was like, oh, this is Darby Allen. This is Darby Allen's match. This is the guy you just this, want to figure of. This is the tiny plastic man you own. Yeah. Um, it was a good Darby match. It really got over what Darby's all about. It was like taking a beating and getting back up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also made J.D. Drake actually look like a fun character. I thought he was looked really cool in this. He reminded me a lot of Trevor Murdoch from what I got to see. I can see that. I can see that. But uh, in the middle of the match, uh, Sting saw Ryan Nemeth was about to do some shady shit. So he like, held the bat at him and was like, all right, bitch, this is our angle. And he just chased Ryan Nemeth flailing and waggling out. Like, you know the area where like Sue drives her minivan up or where FTR? Yeah, the ramp. Yeah, yeah, the ramp. He just drove, he just walked him out that way and just out of the match for the rest of the thing. Also, Cesar Bononi came out with them. I don't know if he took a thing or if he got hurt, like, but he seemed like he was hurt and he was sitting for all the match. And afterwards he had to be helped walk backwards and he couldn't put a lot of weight on one foot. So I don't know if he tweaked it somehow. Hmm. What happened? I haven't he must have heard himself shooting a da- uh, dark match or something because I haven't heard. No, because he like walked that. out normal. He walked out fine. I think he. I think he. But like he was trying to catch Darby or do something like that, and he just tweaked his foot. Mm. So I don't know. I haven't heard anything from it. I haven't seen any news about it. But uh, solid match, and Darby wins with the coffin drop. Yeah. And uh, as he's going up the stage to leave, uh, Hardy family office comes out and whips his ass. Just goes like, ah, fuck you. And uh, as that's happening, uh, the Dark Order comes out and immediately makes the save. And it's kind of hilarious from the TV perspective because as Hardy family office is beating up Darby... Bunny walks over to the commentary table and just starts screaming at Excalibur to get up and clear the table. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna, we don't do that here. No, why are you, go away, crazy lady. And she's just like, move, fucking move. Yeah, I saw that, it was <laughs> funny. And they, they, Conte just goes in and is like, nope, fuck you. And they start brawling. Yeah, it's so good. I also like how she was in white, like uh, a lot of the members of Dark Order are now. Other mm-hmm. than Evil Uno, Evil Uno's still in black, but it, it fits his character. Tay brought out the good gear this week. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, this was a fun little beatdown to get you hyped for the uh, semi-main event, which they're mm-hmm. going to wrestle. Yeah. we. I don't remember seeing a main event video package. I think there was a, a, a little bit of a, a, a break here. Yeah, it was the same one from that road too. It's essentially just a lot of footage and talking head and promo stuff that we've gotten already, but remixed to be able to be more geared towards this match. It's fine. It's a solid video package. Nothing to write home about, though. Yeah, uh, I think this was when Justin Roberts was going like, "Where are you guys from?" kind of thing. Uh, uh, we didn't get a like live camera feed of uh, Alex Marvez talking to Chris Jericho, going like, "Hey." Chris, you you really said some things in the Pinnacle Attack. Yeah, Alex Marvez gets like two sentences in, and Chris Jericho opens his mouth, and then just immediately MJF coming over his head and screaming at him. Yeah, 
and he and they they brawl out to the outside, which I didn't expect. I thought, oh, pre-tape segment. This is, they probably did this earlier. Oh no, this is live. Holy shit, this is cool. Yeah. Um, but then we just saw on the video feed. Uh, oh, they locked the locker room door. That's why Inner Circle isn't coming out to help. Yeah, and the whole time the beating's going down, Jr. is screaming, "Where is the rest of the Inner Circle? What's going on? Oh, those bastards! They locked them in." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just going like, "Oh man, what's gonna happen?" What's gonna happen? And then Mike Tyson comes out and it's like, we weren't, nobody was expecting it there. And it's just like, yeah. what the fuck, Mike Tyson? And he starts. I'm like, I, I genuinely think this is like 10 times better than his last appearance in AEW. Because he actually does so something great. here. It's not just like, yeah. hey, I'm Mike Tyson, I'm badass. He actually comes in, saves Jericho from the beatdown, and he does some uh, punches onto Sean Spears. And, like, literally, as he's taken off his shirt, I'm like, oh, this is badass. Mike Tyson, yeah, I, I never thought I was going to say this. Because, like, earlier in the day, me and my my friend at work were discussing the card. And I was like, and Mike Tyson's going to be there doing some fucking shit. I don't know. Who cares? And then this happens. And I'm like, yeah, Tyson. And he's taking his shirt off. And I notice how the camera's kind of lining up with Sean Spears. And I'm like, no, not Sean. <laughs> And then yeah. immediately he goes after him, and I'm like, oh, I feel bad for him, but he probably asked for it anyway. Oh, yeah, no. From where I stood, it looked like Mike held some of his punch back. Like, he wasn't going full force. Mm -hmm. He was working those punches to a, to a degree. Yeah. I don't know how it looked on camera feed, so. It looked good. But eventually the rest of the inner circle does come out and does make the save, and Pinnacle do... Kind of walk their way back. Also, you don't you don't see this, but the, as they're walking back, they have to go up a stair to the left of where we were sitting, kind of left of the hard cam. And it I was have really, seen that on BTE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a cool little bit. Like you weren't supposed to pay attention. You were supposed to pay attention to the ring of everybody being badass. But like MJF and Wardlow were standing at the bottom of the stairs, making sure everyone else got up because MJF is the leader of the faction and Wardlow is his uh minion i thought that was uh -huh. nice i thought that was a... i don't know if how much of that is character or how much of that is just them being real people trying to make sure everybody gets on the ladder safe but i thought that was neat yeah um but as that's happening in the ring like H hagar and sammy are kind of holding chris Half like, oh, he can't stand so good right now. And half like, maybe he wants to go after Tyson. But there's like a second where him and Tyson are looking at each other. And then Jericho just reaches out his hand. And they shake and pull into a hug. And yeah. it, it's like, it's stupidly wholesome. It's good. It's good. It's good shit. It's good shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we got this as a on big TV segment of Tony Schiavone talking to Britt Baker. Of her just basically going like... The ranking systems are bullshit. And I hate when people go like, yeah, they are. They're not. They make total sense. Mm. People, this was, this promo was hilarious to me because it's clearly making fun of people who say the ranking systems are bullshit. And then immediately a bunch of people I watch who are like, the ranking systems are bullshit reacted to this segment going, they're listening to criticism! And I was like, you're fucking idiots. So they're making fun of you! No, the, the ranking system makes total goddamn sense. 
like it is just saying these are the five best these are all in contention for getting a match doesn't mean that they're automatically going to get a match it means that they are likely to get a match that's it uh-huh. that's it that's what it means there's no like there's no greater mean, secret in kayfabe think of it as it is not okay this is the leaderboard and the person at the top gets a title shot then the next person gets a title shot it's this is the top guys in the company or top gals in the company at any given moment and think of it as in kayfabe tony khan is sitting in his office and every week he gets this report and he goes over it and he goes all right this person this person and this person are next in line for a title shot and maybe he says the same thing the next week maybe he changes on someone and it just keeps going that way that's how i view the rating system now because i've had moments where i've flipped out over certain people getting a title shot when they're ranked like number two or three but somebody kind of helped me figure it out that way and like i i think that makes total sense now I mean, now that i've got it in my head i saw it somewhere on a, a people talking about wrestling talking about the thing it was, it was a person who also watches mma and says like yeah no that's how the mma ratings work mm-hmm. just because you're number one doesn't mean you're automatically getting a title shot it just means you are a really prominent really respected wrestle uh mma fighter who is just good it means yeah. you are one of the best and if you are one of the best, you are likely in contention to get a shot. It doesn't mean like Hangman is ranked right. Hang right now, Hangman is number one. He's he's the best boy. He's really good. Doesn't mean he's gonna go right after Kenny because Hangman doesn't want to fuck with that. Yeah, no. And people, it, it's that's what the concept is. That's what it is. It isn't that hard to explain. These are just the top five. Any one of them can get a title shot. But, Why is it so hard for people to understand that? I was about to say, actually, it is so hard for people to understand that because for two and a half decades, we have had WWE drilling it into people's heads that wins and losses doesn't matter and they're just going to push whoever they want to push. And whether we like it or not, WWE is the household wrestling name. It's the name that everybody's mind first goes to when they think of wrestling. Even if you're a 2000s TNA fan or a 2010s ROH fan, you probably still kept an eye on WWE and you probably you probably still think of them as the standard of wrestling. Yeah. The ratings make sense. Britt Baker's making fun of people who don't understand them. Yeah. We, we we just turned a uh, a like two minute promo into fifteen minutes. Hey, we're over analytical nerds. That's what we fucking do. Hell yeah! One might call us analytical fanboys. Someone should make a longer. podcast for that. Someone should someone should do that. Yeah, somebody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but next we saw. Uh, the women's match, Bunny uh, with uh, HFO versus Tay Conte, it was a good match. It was really good. It was really solid. I really enjoyed when Tay Conte did the judo stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. this is this is a really really good match, and you know, uh, much like Negative One, I think I am starting to fall for Tay Conte. Oh, Negative One was so adorable this whole because he was he 
No, I remember what the other match was uh, at the beginning. It was Ten versus a Jobber. Oh, cool. It was Ten just getting a win, and uh, Negative One uh, came out and was his ringman. Hey. Yeah, no, he was adorable. It was great. And, like, uh, we explained to Cody what his whole, the kid's whole situation was. I was like, I was like oh, that's, that's nice. It's sweet. It's adorable. Which, by the way, I did finally listen to the Amanda Huber episode of the podcast this week. Um, it's not as horribly depressing as I thought it was going to be. No. It it is pretty it is a pretty hard listen because it's literally her walking through the entirety of Brody realizing he was sick up until him dying, but they're also constantly going. She's constantly stopping to go. I'm not saying this to be this is this horrible tragedy that happened. I'm saying this so the people who are asking questions will shut the fuck up. And so I can, can go back to living in the moment, which is you people are doing this amazing thing for me and my family. And she constantly shouts out all these people in and around AEW who helped her out. Like the there is a moment where and keep in mind, I'm working in a foreign warehouse while listening to this and on headphones. There's a moment where I almost teared up where she says on the day she had to tell Brody Jr that Brody Sr. was going to die, she texted his two favorite people, Cody Rhodes and Big E, and said, can you guys come and be there when I tell him just so he feels safe? And they both dropped everything to be there that night. Yeah. I Here's the thing. We always go on. We've, we've went on about how AEW has treated this family and how we respect the fuck out of them. That's we haven't really talked about how the fact that all of wrestling community has done this, mm-hmm. just because we're in the AEW circle. That's what we that's what we pay attention to. That's what we know. But Big E has just repeatedly, Brody Lee was a good friend of his, and he misses him, and how he mm-hmm. tries to do as much as he can for those kids. And I, something I didn't realize until listening to that podcast is they're practically neighbors. Like Big E lives down the street from where Brody's family is still living. Yeah, and I imagine Cody's just like, nope, I can I can fly there. I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no. I I I just I really enjoy negative one. I enjoy seeing him there because it just makes me go like he's trying he's being happy. Because he's in something yeah. he enjoys. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I would I as he is right now, I don't know if he's going to be a teenager and goes like, ah, wrestling, it's not for me. We don't know. But as it is right now, it feels like in eight years, we're going to see, we're going to see a very dedicated person to this craft. In the here and now, and this is also how they kind of described it on this podcast, because Amanda said like she gets, she regularly sees comments and stuff of like, oh, they're exploiting the family. They're doing this, that, and the other thing. And she says, no, they're providing my son with an outlet for the thing he loves because the outlet he had was torn away from him. Yeah. They're also like, I'd imagine she finds comfort in having basically a thousand and one positive male role models for her sons. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. My family, my mom and dad divorced 
My dad still exists. He's out there. We talked about him earlier. But my mother still tried to give me a bunch of good male, positive male role models throughout my life. It is, an, it is a thing single mothers want to have for their sons. And, like, the fact that Brody Lee Jr. gets Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Preston Vance, uh, Taz, Brian Cage, Christian Cage, Jungle Big Boy, Big Show, Luchasaurus, all the, like, Eddie Kingston. Who doesn't want to get to say they grew up listening to Eddie Kingston tell fucking stories? Come on. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's a the the stat first most positive male role model, but he's a role model. Okay. Tie it back to the other thing I was listening to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Ryan Nemeth got a job working at Dynamite? It was like um, someone vouched for him. I don't know who. No, no. He was there visiting Brody Jr. because it was his birthday, mm-hmm. and he just happened to have his gear with him, and somebody just tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, when was the last time you did a match? I don't know, like months and months ago. You got your gear? Yeah. You're doing a dark match in 20 minutes. That's the thing I've... I, I, because I've seen some complaints of like, oh, there's too many people in AEW right now. There's too many faces. And I'm going like, yeah, but also like... Technically, Tony Khan's trying to do a charitable thing of like, there's so many un, uh, wrestlers who can't wrestle right now. So he's mm-hmm. trying to provide as much an income for them as possible. Yeah, and, like, you got to remember, the people who made this company a reality made it a reality through the indies. They never, except for one of them, they never went to WWE. And, and so they and have they a rejected, huge respect. And Cody rejected WWE. It's like, I don't, this system is flawed. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so they have a huge respect for the Indian independent scene. And they have a lot of friends there. And when something comes and says, like, oh, your friends are going to be out of work for God knows how long, of course they're going to immediately scramble to help as many people as they can. Yeah. That's why I That's why I don't understand. Like, I understand it, but, like, fuck the complaints. Dark is too long. Dark elevation is too long. It's like, no. They're trying to provide work for friends and family. Like, I okay, I was guilty of saying that last week. I'm frustrated from a media consumer standpoint. I'm like, God damn it, I can't keep up. That's fine. But here's the thing. People getting work, so I can't get too worked up about it. Yeah. No, because I have a feeling once things kind of ease up on all of this, we're going to see a lot less faces, and we're going to focus in on a lot more. We're going to focus in on specific people and specific groups. I guarantee you, when they start traveling again, Dark will go back to being an hour padded show. Yeah. An hour show of like free matches and a bunch of padding, and Elevation will become something similar. Yeah. I, I have a, again, I understand everything. It makes total sense to me. And some people will go, like, Yeah, you're just being shills. Yeah, fuck it, we're shills for this. We, well, we, I mean, like... We enjoy you know, people Khan, not... He sent me these free action figures, so, of course. We enjoy people being able to eat and provide for their families in a trying time. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing. If, the, if WWE had this kind of open contract system, they'd be doing just as much. But because they have a much more closed contract system, they can't do it. Because it'd be, it'd be too confining for the people they're trying to provide for. And they don't want to wrap them up in that kind of system for that long. You know? Yeah. 
I have a feeling WWE would be doing the same thing. I don't doubt that they... Because here's the thing. For everything we give WWE shit on, I do not doubt that they don't treat their wrestlers with respect. They may not give them shit to do. They may not know what to do with them. They may not understand their character, but they treat the person with respect. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. Somewhat. Some, you know what I mean. They, they don't they, say... They don't... If you are a... I don't know what to say. I'd rather expect the best out of people. Yeah. But, uh... Bunny, take Conte. It was a good match. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, Eventually, Tay wins with the DDT after an assist from Hikaru Shida. Yeah, setting up uh, Tay Conte versus Hikaru Shida. That's going to be a fun match. Yeah, big old respect rivalry. I'm all in on that. And then we got some uh, announcements for the next card. We got we got the pictures for it in the stadium. Uh, Darby versus Matt Hardy. Balls count anywhere. That's going to be fucking oh, great. Yeah. I hope that's the main event. I understand why some people are concerned because it's Matt Hardy. But, like, contemporary Matt Hardy, who's had some uh, close calls. But, like, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great. Uh, Bucks versus Death Triangle. Yes, please. Anthony Agogo, mm-hmm. Dax Hardwood versus Chris Jericho with Mike Tyson as special uh, enforcer. Mm-hmm. Now... Going back a match or two, who do you think's walking out with the titles next week, given everything we're about to discuss? I want Death Triangle to win just so Don Callis can go like, see, I was right. You guys you guys have lost your edge and really lean into the fact of what's going to happen in the main event and kind of cement what's going to happen with the Bucks. Hell yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. And plus and then, then Death Triangle versus Transitional Champions. No. Death Triangle gets a good lengthy title run. No, no, no. This man put deserves that, it. Put that put that put that nice little little piece around Trent's waist, please and thank you. Uh man. Do you think they're gonna freebird rule it? Oh my god, I would love do a comedy match where fucking Orange and Chris defend the titles. <laughs> what are you doing? We can't fight her. What? It's against it's against company rules. We can't do it. Sweet, we're doing it then. <laughs> and then Death Triangle has to recruit a woman to do a mixed tag match. Let's just go up to Thunder Rosa and they're like, do you got a night free, please? Or Abaddon. Ooh. No, Thunder Rosa would make no much total sense because uh, Mexicans, Mexiqueen. But uh, after all that, we get a video package for Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill, which is coming up next week. Uh, pretty solid. Most stuff we've heard already, just kind of a different take on it. But... This is a uh, a match I'd say I'm I'm low key looking forward to. It should be good. Oh yeah, no. When Jade Cargill showed up on screen, Cody was like, "Oh my god, look at her fucking abs!" <laughs> Legit, like I don't think he swore, but he was like, "Dear God, those abs!" I was like, "Yeah, look at them abs." Mm. And he was like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, but then well, we have. Go ahead. Then we have the main event. 
Everybody comes out. It's fucking sick. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers with Don Callis versus John Moxley and the Young Bucks. Oh boy, was this a story of a match? Oh yeah, no, it was. It was good. You like. They really sold the body language from where we were from because, again, we can't see the faces as well. Uh, but you could tell the Bucks were like, we don't want to hurt you, Kenny. We disagree with you at this point in time, but we don't want to hurt you. We're, we're your friend. And John was having none of his. Like, no, we're fucking fighting him. Fight him. And there's all these points where they can finish him off, and they almost do it. And they almost hit a finisher, and they almost do this, and they almost do that, and then they stop, and they're... You know, let's... Let's do something else. And it looks like they're going to win the match. They they have Kenny set up for a BTE trigger, and they almost hit it twice. And they and both times, Matt Jackson hesitates until finally John Moxley gets pissed off, and he gets in the and he tags himself in, and he like paradigm shifts the ever living fuck out of Mox like out of Kenny. Yeah, and he did something else to him too. And he, uh, he was in a like, full Nelson hold. Yeah, and he's like, that's how you fucking do it. And then he go, he's like about to pin him when the Good Brothers come back into play. Or no, the Bucks, they... He gets super- them in like a, in, a, in a specific hole to do a move, and then the Bucks super kick him twice. Yeah. And as they're going, oh shit, what did we do? The Good Brothers get in the ring. They hit a magic killer on Moxley, and then they drag Kenny's bloated corpse on the Moxley for the pin. One, two, three. Their team wins. And Don Callis comes down to the ring, and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Get these guys out of here. And Carl, uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, I forgot his last name, uh, he's like yelling at Don Callis. He's, I trust them. I trust them. It's fine. And so they go to set up, up Moxley again for the proof of it. And they super kick Mox one more time. And it's cemented that the Young Bucks have joined the Super Elites. Yep. And literally in that moment, I, I had this, like, I was watching it kind of like this. And as all that went down, I just felt this sinking feeling all the way down in the pit of my stomach. And like, as they faded out, I had to get up and walk to my bed for a minute. Cause I was like, fuck, I didn't see that coming. And I'm not for like, and it's not a, it's not like, oh shit, I can't believe they did this kind of booking. It's like, fuck, that makes sense. But it hurts that it makes sense. They worked me. They worked me. In the moment watching live, there was a lot more of an attitude like, oh, fuck you. Come on. Oh, yeah. I hope that you sold out, champ. Yeah, no. There was all that kind of stuff. So that means you didn't see the thing we saw. We we got a different ending. Because they do the whole hug because they didn't want to do too sweet. Because that's like a sign of submission. It's like, no, we're in this together. We're doing it this way. So they all hug. Mm. And after they hug... A little New York man comes waddling out on a busted foot. It's Eddie Kingston. He's going like, damn it, fuck you, fuck you. That's my boy. And they start beating up Eddie Kingston. They start going after the foot some more. Everybody's booing. Boo. Boo. I don't remember what happened. 
to get them to stop because I don't think anybody saved them. I think they just was like, we won. We don't need to do anymore. And so at the end, Eddie Kingston and just John Moxley were just on the ground looking up at the goddamn stage as they fucking leave. And it's just like, God damn. Punished boys. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. It was damn solid. It was great. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen next week? Mm-hmm. So what happens after that? Do you guys just get up and leave like it's a movie theater? or? Uh, we were there for like another minute or two, just kind of seeing the aftermath of all of that. And then John, John, uh, uh, Roberts basically gets on the mic and goes like, thank you for coming to AEW. And the lights come on like, like a movie theater. And we all just start shuffling out. It didn't take too long to get out, though. We got to the cars and we got out. There was no big crowd or big line. All right. That bit, at least, is the same as SmackDown, then. Yeah. No, but it was a fun show. If you are in the Jacksonville, North Florida area and you are into wrestling, go watch it. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, No, it was just real good. It's real solid. Real solid shit. Mm. Mm. Nice. But overall, how is your week of wrestling? How do you, how do you how would you rate it? On an arbitrary scale that we can make up every week. Uh on a scale of three paradigm shifts to two super kicks, I give it one coffin drop. Nice. It is it's it's a solid two figures out of uh, two figures. Excellent. Yep. But that was MMWP Live. I hope you enjoyed it. But in the meantime, Vac, tell the people where they'll find you in case they didn't enjoy it didn't enjoy it so they can yell at you. And not at me. Hey everyone, I'm the Vacuumator. I do other shows on this channel, uh, modular media. You can check out uh, Twit, This Week in Tokusatsu, which is the weekly tokusatsu discussion podcast I do with uh, Miriam of Buster Core, uh, talking about all the latest news and episodes from the world of Japanese live-action special effects and superheroes. Um, and we also have the No Prize podcast that I do with this same fella over here, discussing uh, Marvel and other comic-related things once a week. And uh, I'm also doing solo content, or uh, at least I was. I'm currently on hiatus from my solo YouTube channel. But if you want to check out my backlog of things like uh, vlogs and toy reviews and media analysis, you can do that at youtube.com slash the vacuuminator, which is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. I'm also on Twitter at the vacuuminator. And I have an Instagram where I post action figure photography every weekday at the underscore vacuuminator. Hell yeah. Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Boyne Ryder Gaston. I do video essays and editorial on my YouTube channel, Boingo Writer. You can search for it. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Boingo underscore writer. And you can always join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. Uh, and as always, you can find me here at Module Media where we talk a variety of different podcasts. We already talked about the No Prize podcast of marvel excelsior uh module media wrestling podcast and some other upcoming projects that we don't really want to mention yet but we want to say hey we're working on shit but here's a turning yeah but in the meantime this was done by module media it's 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 a project we're working on
Hell yeah. Uh, so as always, like, comment, subscribe, do all the things to boost the algorithm. Praise be its name. And until next week, wrestling. 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 Oh, real quick. Funny, funny thing. We were walking out of the show, getting to the cars, and like... There were, everybody was just going like, yeah, no, that was fun, that was fun. And I just looked them dead in the eye, everybody dead in the eye. Wrestling. And they just like, like, wrestling. 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 Wrestling.